Yo, what's up? So today I have a really, really good podcast for you all, and it features heavily the manga called Vagabond by Inoue Takahiko. And we talk a lot about Buddhism, a lot about philosophy, a lot about self-growth. But if you actually have not read that manga, Vagabond, then just know this is going to contain a lot of spoilers. I also have two of my best friends on board with me, two people who have actually been on the podcast before. So you have Nicholas, who is the host of LPE, the podcast called Legitimate Psychiatric Emergency. He's also done uh, two different albums by the band called Sachio. And talking about Sachio, the other person I want to introduce is Giorgio, who you've already heard on this podcast a few times. He was also a member of Sachio, and he actually has a new album called Pyramid Mission coming out. So show them some love. If you're into self-development, if you're into philosophy, if you're into Buddhism, Taoism, or just manga or art, I think you really enjoy this podcast. So have fun and catch you soon. So, welcome to um, today's situation, podcast, thingy, whatever we're doing here. Yes, sir. We have Stanley Ching, we have Giorgio Lambos, <laughs> we have me, me. And, um, Wait, why didn't you give yourself, you don't have a last name? Um, no, nah, it's secret. It's a secret. It's Nicholas Zarkos, but yeah. Um, essentially, today we're going to be talking about Vagabond, everyone. Now, if you know me personally, you know I've recommended this to nearly everyone I know. Oh, on multiple occasions. In fact, <laughs> I've terrorized people with recommendations. And that started because of Stanley. Yes, sir. See, one day I was very, you know, coming into lockdown. This year, 2021, has been a rough year. And I remember telling Stanley, remember messaging him one day saying, Stanley, I'm so mad that I'm very mad. And then he's like, you should really read Vagabond. And I'm like, Stanley, listen to me. <laughs> I mean, as far as animes and manga goes, manga, manga, Chinese cartoons... <laughs> As far as they go, like, I could never, like... I mean, I, I loved all the classics. Like, Gio, you showed me, like, Berserk. You showed me Evangelion. You showed me Cowboy Bebop. Did I show you Berserk? You did. You did. Yeah, so, yeah damn right. Trans- Stanley's, like, dead among of his group. I'm putting you a notice, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I, like, loved all that kind of stuff. Devilman Crybaby is probably the newest thing that I've watched. Oh, um, you watched it? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't bad. It was really good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was really right. sick. I watched Code Geass. That was independent. Okay. Yeah, independent. No one told me about that. I found it myself. Um, but I don't know. I never really got into like the serial anime world or the manga world. Like, never have I ever read a manga before. Always consider like this is me speaking out of pure ignorance, just to show you, just to elucidate my position to everyone. Like, I characterize reading manga as like weeb shit. I was like, I'm gonna be honest with you, boys. Like, it was complete weeb shit. I'm like, dude, if you're reading anime. Nah. If you're reading anime. <laughs> <laughs> I love reading anime. That's it. So then... So Animu, then, mango. <laughs> so Stanley was like, bro, you should check out Vagabond. I'm like, Stanley, get the fuck away from me with your Chinese cartoons. I'm not fucking reading manga. Don't convert me. And, it, and then you're like, dude, dude, just you sent me the link to the first, first page. You're like, you didn't even tell me to read the first chapter. You're like, just have a look at the first page. And I'm like, fine. Okay, I will, right? And then it just fucking didn't stop. 
And then I'm like, I was successfully converted then. I was mm. like fully just, I'm like, what the hell have I been missing out? What's wrong with me? My prejudices. My prejudices led me astray. And now Stanley And now you terrorize people. Now you, I terrorize people. Yeah. <laughs> you attack That's people. That's why I'm here. That's I was here because I was terrorized <laughs> by both Nick and Stanley. <laughs> I, I remember there was, there was a point where uh, Georgia was talking to Quentin and then he gets a message from Nick. And then Georgia <laughs> was like telling me or telling Quentin like 100%. This is a Nicholas. Uh, this is a message from Nick, telling me to read Vagabond. Yeah, I remember this day. Do you remember? You know, this? I, was, I was hanging out with. Qu- I think I was with Quentin in real life at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then like I just get a, I get like a message from you, like just random text. And then like there's a picture. There was a picture. Was a picture. A picture. <laughs> that's like, right. That's what's right. What's Nick sending photos for? And then you, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and it's like you're just sending me like <laughs> screenshots of Vagabond texts every day. Read Vagabond. Because here's the thing, like. If there's one guy harassing me, I can resist. Yeah. So Stanley was the first one to harass me. He's like, bro, you gotta read Vagabond, it's the best. I'm like, That's been happening for years. And here's the thing is like, yeah. you know, Nick, Nick wasn't a Nick wasn't a weeb. Now me, I'm a I'm a pipe hitting, pocky eating weeaboo. All right, bona fide, grew pipe up in Evangelion. I've never heard that adjective. <laughs> 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 you're you're, you're yeah, addicted uh, to crack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all right, when you go to enough when you go to <laughs> <everybody> <laughs> watches Evangelion like every night. <laughs> you go to enough anime conventions, all right, things get weird, all right? <laughs> you go to the after parties, all right, things happen. <laughs> I don't want to say too much about that. Not to the uninitiated or in public spaces. But um, look, you know, like, you know, there was no, there was no doubt I was going to like it, but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of different things and I just never got around to it. That's all, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, Stanley's harassing me. And then Nick one day, you know, Nick starts harassing me. Yeah. And then I realized these guys are coordinating their harassment <laughs> with each right. other. Yeah. Like they got, a, they got an know, advanced you know, two-man know, plan to come and from the eastern front, the western front. It wasn't even coordinated. That was the funniest part. Like it was just the will of like, vagabond. I think, huh? I think the most, the most, like I genuinely believe that the most me Stanley ever spoke about, like converting you, was like, like uh, maybe a few messages being like, "Hey." We should get Gio to watch this or read this. And then it sounds like, yeah, I've been trying to for years. Oh, that's cool. I'm going to keep trying now. Sick. And then I think because when you were harassing me, Stanley, it came in the form of like, you should read Vagabond. And then immediately a link to read Vagabond online. I mean, no, we bought all the Vagabond. <laughs> Wait, scratch that. It came in the mail. So yeah, Stanley kept sending me Vagabond. Panels <laughs> like printouts in the mail. And, then, and I'm like, fine, okay. And then that's what I started doing to you. I literally copy pasted Stanley's messages to me to you. I'm like, hey. And like, I do, I didn't, I, you know what? I never went onto the site and did control C, control V. I just literally wrote www.readvagabond online. To pull more authentic magic yeah, in yeah. it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's great. But yeah, no, the successful conversion. Yeah, needless to say, I, I also loved it. That's why that's mm. why I'm here talking to you fine people today. Exactly. That's also, um, yeah, no. So that's the arc of being converted because of Stanley. It's mm. all Stanley's fault. And, and you know why I, I recommend it to you? Because of your situation, I thought it really mirrored one of the other characters, which... I think he gets overlooked a lot. I, I think at the it's end... Matahachi. Oh, Matahachi. Sure. I, 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 <laughs> for a lot of people now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he, said, he said the name. I just said... <laughs> I, I, I could oh, be shit. any character. He baited him. He baited him. It could have been any character, man. My situation. I could have right? It could have been any character. I was really hoping you said, like, you know, Jotaro or whatever. But I thought there was just, like... Yeah, you know, I, I could see connections and I thought Marahachi and his um, his attraction to Oko, I think that's... An, had, what's the, Otsu, what's, Otsu. Otsu. There's Otsu and there's Oko. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just saw some resemblance. And to me, and I think this is the real 
strength of Vagabond. It appears to, you know, it appeals to the male audience quite a lot because it's, it's you know, samurais, it's fighting, it's got that, you know, that spirit. But really, there's a much, much deeper message of exp- uh, self-exploration and self-development underneath it. And I thought that, yes, you could appreciate how beautiful, and there are some gorgeous panels in the manga. But apart from that, it's honestly a really beautiful message about self-empowerment. And yeah. I thought that you could gain something from it. Dude, I think, well, I mean, again, I tell the audience with, with extreme confidence, I definitely did gain something from it. So I, I thank you every day for showing me. I've actually gained so much from it. I've got, I have it tattooed on my leg. Yeah, back he's, he's not also, kidding. I also <laughs> oh, bought yeah. a katana. <laughs> which i cut my hands on backs <laughs> but but yeah no dude i highly agree dude i think i think um you know like if you're in a rough place in your life at the moment and you're not entirely too proud of yourself out of just sheer honesty just sheer honesty just like not too proud of where you are and then you pick this up and you just you take the time to really absorb the message it could really teach you a lot of good things man I think Vagabond is like absolutely ridiculous in its in its breadth and its character development and like the underlying messages of so many different themes. It covers so many. It's, it's it's not too long either, which is, you know, for a manga, at least from what I know. Well, I'm I mean, if you compare it to One Piece or Naruto, yeah. Yeah. Or Berserk? Mm. Uh, it's roughly the same. Um, I'd say 100 chapters shorter because Berserk's around 300 and something and Vagabond got to 430 from memory. Okay, so Vagabond is longer. Yeah, I want to say it's about a little under 100 longer. I, I guess it might be different based on how many pages per chapter, but regardless, uh, they're true, roughly true. in the same ballpark, but yeah, they're not close yeah. to One Piece or they're not close yeah. to Naruto. That's true. Just a quick shout out to, um, oh, I fucking always butcher his name, Tuck, Takia. Does anyone know how to say it properly? Um, Takia Inoue. Inoue. Takahiko Inoue. Oh, you said the last name first. That's yeah, you know. Inuit. You take away my weed pipe now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Edit this out. So I said Inoue first before Takahiko. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, if you if you're listening now and you haven't actually, you don't even know what Vagabond is. I I highly suggest you just look up some stuff on Google Images, um, and you'll just see like the the artistry involved in actually, like you know, the manga itself is something like I've never seen before in my entire life. It was all hand drawn with brush out of my understanding and the panels actually in the actual you know drawing it were Wait, a lot e- even the regular panels were brush um really? the regular panels what do you mean like like the... like for example uh by the way for the audience who can't see i'm opening a, a a page like this i thought that was pen and like things like uh this oh i just flipped through it There's i'll describe it to scenes. the audience it's like a, a naked anime like lady <laughs> like I this think... is clearly brush I think, ah, oh, man, I'm like, I heard somewhere that it was done by Brush because he really liked the way, I mean, I don't know, dude, I'm not an artist. I, guess, yeah, I won't I be guess, able to look at things. This is just out of rumors that I've seen. I'm pretty sure someone out there who has read mm-hmm. Vagabond knows a lot more than we do would probably be able to say in the comments section if you are so inclined without yelling, you know, <laughs> and disliking the video. Um, but yeah, no, like the artistry is ridiculous. Like it is, it, like the level of immersion through just like, I don't know, reading it, watching it, looking at it is ridiculous. Like you feel the movement in the drawings, which is something like you don't really get with like a lot of, you know, I don't know, comics maybe, you know, like there's there's movement mm. to like the drawings, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So Georgia, what did you think about it? Like, because, um, so you were being harassed by Nick 
uh, and I guess me to a lesser extent. Um, <laughs> but what, what did you think about the art and just the story and everything like when you picked it up? Oh, look, I, I thought it was awesome. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I particularly, you know, I related a lot to because at the time I was reading it, I was really into, um, you know, I was really into meditation and exploring Buddhism. Um, and I'd kind of just gotten into Zen. I, you know, I sort of, I was introduced to Buddhism through, you know, sort of like... Through me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can I take credit for this? You. <laughs> it's more like, look, I'm not taking it. I'm taking the bait. I'm not taking it. I like, look, more like, like Burmese adaptations of like Indian... Sorry, Stanley. Through Vipassana meditation and such. So, I mean, you know, at the time I'd kind of like, I, that was when I was exploring Zen more so. And, uh, you know, Vagabond being a Japanese text. And, well, the Buddhism present in Vagabond is Zen Buddhism. I found it really great Soto. Uh, to be like, yeah, and, yeah, and um, analogous to that. And even outside of that, just like, look, when you're a person who really has, I don't know, big dreams and a lot of goals, which I consider myself, you know, always, always in that, uh, that, what's it called, Sigma male grind set, you know, hustling with my, uh, with my music. So here we making, are, I'm making Matahachi, shoots. here we go. You know? <laughs> so, it, it has some for everybody. It does. Whatever your life arc is and your, you know, your big thing, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be information for you. It's going to be something, some reflection of your soul, which I, look, I definitely found like, because um, you see through, you know, you know, Masashi's that kind of guy. Now I'm not out there, I wasn't out there killing people in the streets and I was 17. I'm, you know, I'm just, just some dude that makes sounds okay all right take it all right, like, yeah, that's all i'm saying but like you know like there's a certain spirit in that which i i found spoke to me really deeply mm. um and um for me the greatest part about it or at least the part i most enjoyed was like there's this psychological aspect to these characters um and just like seeing their psyches and seeing their philosophies evolve and get challenged by the world around them um and seeing these sort of characters sort of like you know sort of go through their story arcs and just transform um in this world where there's like combat means far more than combat yeah. you know when two characters cross blades and vagabond it's sort of their one philosophy versus another mm. and um, they each sort of learn about each other and learn about or they rather they learn about themselves through through each other and yeah. the way the other guy fights they you know they sort of communicate through their swords they talk through the swords and yeah. there's a whole i could get we could totally get more into that with like we didn't talk about just like we get we'll definitely have, we'll get into um what's his name into um sasaki yeah, Kojiro, Sasaki Kojiro, because he's like, oh, he's the man. epitome of that. You know, he's yeah. sort of yeah. this uh, blind mute, oh, sorry, a deaf he's mute. He's a deaf mute. <laughs> he's a deaf mute, deaf mute, deaf mute um, you know, sort of like sword savant. And he's just this, uh, he speaks through his sword, you know, and it's, um, he sort of, in a lot of ways, he embodies the philosophy of Vagabond, mm. even though he's not necessarily the main character. More so than Musashi for a long, for I think, uh, maybe that's not true because I really respect the uh, the, the dedication to growth and if we compare this uh, Musashi, who's the main character, uh, we sort of based off a real person. Uh, there was an actual Musashi around. Um, this is a little fictionalized, but I, I see links between him and other characters, which we'll probably mention. I think we've already mentioned, but Berserk, like him and Griffith and Guts, I, I see some relation, especially mm. Griffith, because there's this desire to improve. Now you could say that he's a better, he's a more human, maybe he's a more moral character than Griffith, but I think I find myself constantly being drawn to these characters. And uh, I'm, I'll throw out a manga that I, I know you two haven't read, but uh, it's it's actually quite popular as Pokemon. well. Pokemon? It's not Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Goodnight Pokemon Pun Pun. Pun. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Goodnight Pun Pun. And 
like I really enjoyed Goodnight Pun Pun. Um, it, it's a story about like a depressed kid. Like it's it's beautiful. It's the art is really beautiful. But I I'm really drawn to these characters who like just have such a strong will. And as I read it, like that stands out to me. Like Musashi, in many ways, is just like a man of will. Yeah, and I respect mm. it. I really respect it, and <clears throat> I really gravitate towards it. And like, I feel like you could get some inspiration or, or learn from it. Dude, definitely. Mm. I think, I think like to really pin down the attitude around the character development throughout Vagabond. Like, you know what I really enjoyed was just like each character had their own definitive flaws. Like, they, it wasn't just like a very one-dimensional sort of story where it's just like, okay, he's one character and he, this is him being consistent throughout the whole thing. And you always expect, like, you know, the him to prevail in the way that he always does. It's not like a shonen, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, and look, I haven't seen Dragon Ball Z in a fucking very long time. But it's not just like, oh, yeah, when you think of, like, Goku headspace, mm. you know, you, it's a fairly consistent image throughout the full arc. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, actually. Yeah. Like, it's, People it's, have said this is an anti-shonen. But yeah, yeah, I think in a, in a lot of ways, man. Yeah, you're right. It's like... Uh, sorry, we still... Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, just sorry, like, sorry, you know, the, the depth the depth bet- within every character really humanizes them to like a, a, a crazy extent. Like where you genuinely become extremely attached to these as if they're actual people. And the, the one thing I just want to mm. say, yeah, Masashi was a... Just relating back to an older point. Like Masashi was a real person. He He's the author of um, The Book of Five Rings. And he was around in the Edo period in Japan, um, 1600s to 1700s. And essentially he was just like, in, in, in the real world, as far as story and myth goes, and and just genuine history too, because he was a real person, he won, he he was like 60 to zero mm. in terms of like actual like jewels in the world. Like he was 60 to zero, And then in his later life, he settled down as a philosopher um, a Buddhist philosopher, and that's where he wrote the Book of Five Rings, illustrating his like specific style of of swinging the sword. He was also a poet, and, yeah, and a poet and, and an, an artist. artist. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. This guy is the Renaissance man. Yeah, it, well, during the time well, of the Renaissance, yeah. Renaissance as well. But like, yeah, he was a real person. Then in the in nineteen, uh, I think early or halfway through the twentieth century, there was a book called Musashi. I forget mm. by who, and that was like a fictionalized story of Musashi which the whole Vagabond manga is based off mm. so it, this is like three levels removed from the actual Musashi but like an interesting illustration of how things would have went down sorry Gio yeah yeah I was gonna say like um, on the, on that note you were saying earlier of like how the, the sort of the, the flat shonen character yeah who sort of um, you know comes in and steamrolls and dominates the competition yeah um, it's interesting because I think a lot of modern shonen has kind of like tried to change that but this one has done it by even almost reversing the roles where it's like you have that flat, excellent, moral, ideal, virtue character in... Um, Kojiro? In Kojiro, yeah. Mm. And he's not, well, not, <coughs> virtual, he's not virtuous ideal, but he's the ideal shonen protagonist. He yeah. loves the sword for its own sake. He's got this innocence of a child, yet the uh, the strength and brutality of the most powerful man in the world. He's essentially, you know, he's in, in a lot of he's ways, Goku. he's the Goku of the story. He's a constant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, our main character, Masashi, he's more like Vegeta. Mm. So normally right, where it's yeah. like, you know, a story like Dragon Ball, and I think a lot of these other mangas and, you know, these big shonens that are based on it, where the main character is, in a lot of ways, they have character growth that mostly relates to their physical strength, mm. but their personalities are these paragons of virtue, and they sort of change the world around them. Yeah, like right. Goku being a flat character 
who shows the way to the people around him. Yeah. But instead, it's almost as if Musashi is a deeply flawed man. Um, he's got the same dr- uh, the, the same will and drive you'd expect from your main character. Mm. But then you see all the failings that come at the cost of that. Even the failings of that very same will and drive. Yeah, right. Dare I compare him to like Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, right? Vegeta trains harder and works harder than anyone else. But, you know, he's obsessed with being better than he is. Yeah, but right. But this, this is our main character, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I, fi- I found that very interesting. Like, when on in the first couple chapters of Vagabond, I, was, I found myself looking at Masashi and I'm like, fuck, don't ever change. Like, this is mad. Like, this is so cool. Mm. And then, like, you see his development and that, how there's, like, a level, a genuine level of self-denial and, like, uh, I say doubt as far as the narrative is concerned, but, like, self-denial as far as the character himself is involved then like that's what leads to this like unraveling like the flaws are reconciled and like there's a continuous development even through the very end like even in the final like sort of chapters what is this self-denial that you're talking about like the idea of like on one hand he wants to be like the strongest ever and he idealizes his strength and he's like you know Mm -hmm. he sees himself Mm -hmm. as like the strongest person there is like his motivation to go to the fuck i'm gonna butcher these names guys but like the yoki shiwa school Fuck. Oh, the Yoshiaka? Yoshi- Yoshiaka. I think it's Yoshiaka. Yoshiaka school in, in Kyoto. I don't know how to spell it. Um, either way, like he goes there and he's like extremely arrogant, right? He goes there and he's just like, yeah, I can go straight to like the final boss, essentially, like the headmaster of the mm-hmm. school and mm. fuck him up. And then when he goes to the Hozoin temple, he, he has the same sort of attitude where he meets his exact match, right? And mm. in meeting his exact match, he does the worst thing he could imaginely, he could possibly do to himself and he's run away from a fight, which he doesn't even remember. Right, and then like he, that triggers the arc of like the 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 doubting of the self, and then that's where there's like a a, a, a whole arc of extreme self, one of many, but like the first one that you genuinely see and you are a part of, mm. um, as it's happening, is like the introspection involved, and then there's like the realization that like, you know, I remember we spoke about this before one time in the car. It's just like Musashi, Musashi's like God given right of who he is, his strength and his power like got him extremely far off the bat but mm. like that that will only get you so far it, nothing got to do with the final product the final end but like he meets his exact match in terms of his natural given skill set with the hozoi mm. right yeah that's that's really yeah. interesting and then like it's through that that he's forced to develop right it's not just like a face rolled constant that's what i meant by like you know, criticizing the classic shonen constant character. Yeah, that's the yeah. first time he's really challenged. That's like, the first time he's before challenged. Before that, he's able to beat every opponent through sheer like will yeah, and exactly, just being yeah. having more balls than the other guy. Exactly. But yeah. like that's the first time. I was like, all right, you got to change your strategy because this is the failure yeah. in your sort of like I don't know the limitations at least of you know yeah. who you naturally are. Sort it, of emerging. it's interesting because the limitations weren't even just like a like a like a, oh you just failed to become what you wanted to be. Like the the the, the limitation is literally death. Like, you know, he will die. And like, that's like the, the, it gives that immediacy to the situation, you know, I found, you know. And I think what really appealed to me was the fact that if you compare it to Dragon Ball Z, which we mentioned a few times, I don't think Goku or Naruto ever really changed their approach. They just get more powerful. Yeah. Like yeah. they never, Goku never questions, should he be fighting or something? Yeah. And right. I think that's mm. the big difference. Dude, Musashi, I think, yeah, he a lot of his growth isn't just physical. And I think uh, there's obviously physical growth, but it's more rewarding when it's been added along with spiritual growth. And yeah. he actually has to confront, and this is when I knew that the manga was 
serious. I remember um, I kept telling you, Nick, I said, you know, like the first 40, 50 chapters you really like, but uh, I said, once you hit around 70, like that's when it gets like really good. I'm yeah, not sure if you yeah. remember. I remember exactly when you said that. I remember that, yeah. And and the reason I say that was because there was a scene when he runs away from the Spearmaster, who I've forgotten his name. Um, there you go. Uh, he runs away from the spe- Spearmaster and then he uh, turns up late. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he turns up late to his match, but he finally proceeds. And then he gets asked the question of what do I, you know, what do I do with your bones if you die? And then it wasn't a scene of like if it was in Dragon Ball Z and Naruto, like, you know, haha, like no way you'll beat me. You know, let me go Super Saiyan. He looks up at the sky and he realizes I might die, but that's okay. Yeah. And that sort of growth and that sort of like spiritual development, I just don't see it in many other places. Yeah, dude, definitely a hundred percent. It's, you know what I found that to be like, I, I really enjoyed how it linked to, like, as you were saying earlier, like the, the Soto Zen uh, Buddhism, that's, uh, that's just a, such a recurring motif throughout the whole book. And it's like, it's like, oh, this could be a crude example, but like, you know, Masashi starts off with like all fully specced into strength and will, right? Mm. But then like zero specced into like any spiritual level, like Buddhism or whatever. Mm. Mm. Not to mm. say religious, not really they, religious. They're scared of him. Yeah, and he and he relishes that fear. Yeah, he goes around like beating people and purposely trying to hurt people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a terrorist, social terrorist. Yeah, he's a parasite. Um, yeah, exactly. And then um, it's I really enjoyed how they tied in like the Buddhist thing because it's something as well, um, something at the time I was trying to cultivate more in my life, given like the, the I don't know, just like some random bullshit that I went through, you know, um, just something I really wanted to cultivate at the time, and it's just like finding truth. And then with the introduction of Takwan, the monk. I found him like essential to Masashi's growth, mm. but like, yeah, yeah great intro- foil for him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like him, Buddhism being tied into such a way, like something that you can look at and like, along with something that's so contradictory um, to Buddhism, which is killing people, mm. you know what I mean? And how that even like supports that to an extent, yeah. not like, you know, in a one dimensional sense, it's like Buddhism supports the death of other people, but like, you know, the idea of how like, you know, having a, having specked into the spiritual, you have the ability to bolster your life in any dimension you want because mm. of the free-flowing and fluid nature of the practice. Um, I was really cool how it tied that to the real world. You know, it's just like there's a real-world element of just like genuine mindfulness and like, you know, of how life works. Mm. And the way it tied that into the, the, the series was amazing. It was something you could grab onto in the real world as well and feel as if you're contributing to the story or you're living the story internally through your own sub- own subjectivized. Oh, dude, sort of totally. Way. You know well, what I mean? It, it, it inspired me mm. to actually go to Vipassana with you, like recently. Like that was yeah, like, right on, it was the biggest like, thing. Because at the, mo- at the time I was reading Jung, we were reading Ion. And mm. like we were all reading Ion. And then like I was like reading Vagabond. I'm like, dude, nah, I want to get into like Buddhism. And then, <laughs> and then that's when I went to Vipassana. That's when I like fully committed. I'm like, bro, mm. yeah, I want to yeah, Chinese spiritual- cartoons, man. Yeah, but that's <laughs> fucked, dude. Don't get into them. <laughs> you have a life-changing experience. Like, it's fucked up, but it's really be really good for you. But yeah, sorry. By the way, just for the audience, if you don't know, Vipassana is this retreat where you go away and then you don't speak for 10 days. I, I guess the days vary, but the idea is you don't speak, you meditate a lot, you live quite a very simple life and the idea is like you look inside 
So yeah, yeah I, I think a lot of people wouldn't understand that word. Yeah, it, yeah. The past. There'll be a past an episode coming up. Yeah. Soon, oh right? yeah, definitely. There will. So be if that's one. okay, if I can spoil that for the yeah, no, that's, that's fine. Cool, that's cool, fine. Cool, that's cool. fine. But um, no, the past is just like just a quick thing. It's basically um Musashi's mountain arc before the Hozoin fight, where he's just like alone in the mountains, is just like for months on end where he's like not speaking, not talking to anyone. He's just in the mountains, like letting nature itself sort of teach him. Like, and that's like the, yeah, I found, I found kind of like a very similar beauty. Like throughout, you know what, throughout later in the story, there's this big focus on like the limitation of words, you know, in Vagabond that I really enjoyed. I found analogous to real life. It's just like, Mm. oh, me, what does it mean to be invincible? What does it mean to be like, for me, it was just like, what does it mean to be the most intelligent or something like that? You know, Mm. like, and it's just like, dude, these are just words, and like the the um the frivolousness of just like characterizing life through words, and how like that powers in comparison to action, and then that's where I was introduced to the gravity of the duality between Masashi and Kojiro, because Kojiro mm. d- doesn't know words, hands down. Like there is yeah. such a minimal part of his existence, and him actually being good at the sword, you know. Whereas like every other samurai in the in the book would be like concerned with like what school are you from like mm. you know what what oh, style what like fiefdom mm. do you belong to who are you and like it's all focused around names and who you are and all this like sort of thing but like how that compares to your actual agency behind being a good samurai and in vagabond you know kojiro trumps them all and he's deaf mute mm. it's, it's his water deaf mute spec <laughs> <laughs> he's running the spec he's straight out spec <laughs> Um, yeah, look, uh, that's a lot, a lot of great stuff there, lads. I, I wanted to say something on that note of like, I wanted to go back to that idea of uh, Musashi running away from the fight uh, with the Hozoin, um, with the spear, the spear warrior. I, I've also forgotten his name, sad to say. Um, um, Ine Hozoin, I think, I think his name, the spear warrior? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his name was Ine Hozoin. I could be wrong. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, well, look, yeah, that moment for him, because it's like, like we said earlier, like, you know, Musashi seems to effortlessly, well, not effortlessly, but he seems to rely entirely on being a brute, committing to this sort of fearless, just like, I'm going to throw my life at it and I'm going to overcome the guy by just being ballsier, gutsier than him. Yeah. And that's the first time it doesn't work and he experiences genuine fear because yeah. he runs away. And it's like, until that point, we understand it to be this fearless character who just doesn't give a damn about his life. And in that moment, he kind of realizes he does want to live and he's confronted with his own weakness or his own potential for weakness when he entirely saw himself as strong, which I found interesting in the face of what you said earlier about two things. Once, one, the sort of the failure of words because he'd spent so much of his time reinforcing ego. his ego. ego yeah, with, yeah, like, yeah. With, uh, with his whole, like, like he said, I want to be the strongest under the heavens or the strongest under the sun, however it's translated. Um, where and he realizes, you know, that sort of, he doesn't necessarily give up on that quite yet, but it's the first time that's challenged. Yeah. And, the other interesting thing that you said, Nick, that I wanted to touch on in there is that the Buddhist, you know, it's sort of like he's connecting the Buddhist ideals from this very, like, defiled place. Yeah. And people would be like, oh, how can you be a monk? How can you talk Buddhism? How can you do all this stuff? You're a, you know, you're a ronin. You go around killing people. You murder men with swords. But what's interesting is um, something I kind of read in Shunryu Suzuki's uh, Zen Mind, Beginner Mind which is um, an absolute... No, that's the unofficial canon for Vagabond. Oh, man, yeah. But, you know what? Yeah. If you haven't read it, if you want to read Vagabond, read that alongside yeah, it. You're yeah, going to be enlightened in three weeks. <laughs> Promise you. That's a guaranteed financial Hegel. advice. You read that. No, you know what? I had to please switch my stance on fucking Western philosophy recently, bro. Fuck it all. It's too <laughs> wordy, man. It's too yeah, wordy. We're going to talk about Vagabond. Right, yeah, we're going to talk about how Western yeah, philosophy is degenerate. No, let's right. move on from Hegel. Okay. Let's go yeah. back to Vagabond. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was ready to start laying down, insulting some book nerds. All right, okay. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but look, the thing that's cool in that in um that uh, Shunryu Suzuki talks about is this idea of, you know, it's kind of contrary to something Alan Watts says, where he goes, "How can you try and develop yourself when you're the thing that needs development?" Yeah. While Shunryu Suzuki would say, "No, don't worry about it. You're just slowly aligning yourself with the Buddha mind. It's like you can only get to the Buddha mind through your current or the big mind through your current small mind." Which um, can I just say also mm. Daniel Ingram? That yeah, Daniel. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful analogy where he's like, you know, you are an operating system and you're working on yourself mm. through your mm. own operating system, trying to optimize yourself, which is a hard task to do. Yeah, you're rewriting your own code, right? Yeah. So it's like it's it's actually great that Masashi is someone who is becoming a profound Buddhist throughout the course of the story when he's living as a complete anti-Buddhist in the beginning. Yeah, um, because that's so like I guess. You know, I think for for a lot of people who sort of like who have grown up with Christianity, including uh, Nick and myself, it's like it's hard to accept because it's uh, there's a strongly ingrained sense of um, you know sort of good guys and bad guys, sinners and and punishment Conquest. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, seek outside of yourself or mm. heaven or whatever have you. You know. Mm. Yeah. But but something in in Buddhism which doesn't really have that same sort of thing is um, there's this great kind of story. Uh, I think Stanley can probably tell it the best. Um, Stanley's our registered. Mainly because I, I, I forgot his name. <laughs> I type. Yeah. Is it Angulimala? I like how you read my mind before I go, before man. I sheepishly had to you know but, uh, butcher his name forty times. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. Right, so you want me to tell Could you, the story? Yeah, please give us a QRD. It's Q-R-D a rundown story. beautiful story, and every time I hear it through a, a podcast because uh, I have a Buddhism podcast or like a yeah a Buddhism podcast that I listen to, and every time they tell the story, every time I I re-listen to it genuinely brings tears to my eyes so there's this guy called Angulimala and he is a Brahmin so if anyone doesn't know Brahmin is a religious caste of Hindu society and he's the favorite of his teacher now because he's the favorite all the other students around him are pretty jealous by that so the other disciples they come up with lies and they smear his name besmirch his name and then the teacher I guess, falls for the tricks and sends him out. Just basically wants to get rid of him uh, because he believes in the lies. And Angulimala, you know, not knowing that he was being uh, tricked, asks his teacher, okay, like, what can I do to become enlightened? You know, what can I do to learn the final Brahmin secret? And then his teacher, wanting to basically ruin his karma, says, you have to gather 10,000 or a thousand or 10,000 fingers. Oh, I know the story. Yeah, sorry. So he goes around basically killing people, you know, and this is something we've mentioned to today, uh, Giorgio and I. So here's another plug Lisa, the mm. paved, sorry, the, the road to good intentions is what's the quote? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. There you go. That's yeah. the quote. <laughs> I, I didn't know, I knew Angulimala, I didn't know that quote. Wait, no, no, Lisa spoilers before you say it because that's a. Yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But like, but that, but that, you know, those good intentions don't, don't necessarily manifest, you know, in a good place. Anyway, regardless, mm. the, the, the point being, um, he goes around killing people and collecting yeah. these fingers and he gets the name Angulimala actually translates to like a garland of fingers because he wears it around his neck. That's the only way he can preserve it. You know, Essen Goenka said this story of a parson as well. Mm. Was he mm. the main? Oh, the, uh, this exact story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not he, the same. Not not this early preamble. He yeah, actually, I didn't he, know he about. Focuses... It. I thought he was just a negative person. I, mm. I didn't know Gulimala was like no, a he, Brahmin. He 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 was on the way to, or he wow. was a Brahmin, um, and basically, he it, word gets out. There's a serial killer, 
the king of the local region sends his forces to apprehend him and kill him. And then Angulimala's, Angulimala's mother he's, finds out. And then so she's like, wait, I'm not letting my son get killed. So she tries to intervene. Now, thank God the Buddha was on site and he overhears this and he realizes that Angulimala in his quest to complete the you know, thousand or ten thousand fingers, he's going to end up killing his mother. And that is, you know, some serious karma debt. Right, you, know, you yeah. take out your mom. That's like, you know, mm. that's, that's some really bad karma. So he intervenes and he, you know, before the knights come or before the soldiers come, before the mother comes, he, he finds Angulimala and he tries to speak to him. But Angulimala is just not listening. He just wants the, the final few fingers and he chases him and he, you know, has a knife out. He's trying to cut the Buddha and no matter what he does, he just can't reach the Buddha. He's always off by an inch, by a centimeter, by a few meters. It's just always off. And he's just chasing him and chasing him and chasing him. And he's trying to actually, you know, get the last few fingers. And at the end, he throws down his knife out of just anger and just like, how, you know, what are you doing? Stop. Like, how can you keep, you know, evading me? How can you keep moving? And the Buddha says something which is, you know, genuinely like really beautiful. And he turns to Angulimala and he says, you know, I have stopped. I have stopped the cycle of rebirth, the cycle of pain, the cycle of karma. Why don't you stop? Right. And then at that moment, Angulimala, you know, gets to his knees and he just starts crying. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Mm. And he just breaks mm. down. And, um, you know, really, really, really beautiful story. Dude, I remember, the, I remember hearing that of a past now. And the one thing that came to my mind first immediately was in Vagabond Resist, like the cycle of death continues oh, forever, yeah. forever. Mm. Yeah. Cycle of death. Yeah, yeah. But like the, well, I mean, for me, what is the Ungulimala? Okay, for you, what is the, what's his name? Like, I don't want to say it. Ungulimala. Ungulimala. What, what is it? How do you, how, what do you extract from that? I think, and I'd like to hear Giorgio's interpretation because you brought up this guy. Mm. So I'm sure there's a reason you did it. Um, yeah, that's right. You were the original. <laughs> yeah, I just offloaded the, the storytelling to Stanley because <laughs> um, I knew he'd do it better. I I see a man who is obsessed with words. He's obsessed with a task, but he is unable to process the task. So he, in many ways, he's quite robotic. Yeah, you know, do certain things and you get a certain reward. And he's very bound to to word to like a, like to routine, um, and. I see him as someone, as I mentioned before, who has good intentions. He actually wants to fulfill his social obligations to the Brahmins or whatever, but he doesn't have the wisdom. And I think that's a big thing in Buddhism. And we mentioned Buddhism a lot in a Vagmon podcast because if you actually end up reading it, like Buddhism and Taoism, these are like real philosophies that constantly pop up it's not it's not just about yeah, it's not one fighting. arc mm. by the way it it's, goes yeah right yeah, they're all they're all, yeah, they're all different virtues you need like he has yeah. that strong determination the aditana mm. but he lacks uh panya yeah he lacks is, um, wisdom wisdom yeah yeah and that's what i that's what i think you know yeah i think that's pretty spot on that also reminded me of what um shinryu suzuki says where he's um mahiana mind or mm. mahi yeah sorry mahiana mind but what's the other one Hian haniana there's theravada Theravada is the first one. Theravada is the first one. There's Mahayana and there's Vajrayana is the last one. Vajrayana. Ma- Mahayana is all probably, probably all in <laughs> Mahayana territory. It's all Zen. Mm. Yeah, Zen, Zen is Mahayana. Yeah, yeah. So the characteristics according to Shunryu Suzuki, and this will tie back into what I'm talking about, Vagabond and um, Gulimala. 
is that with um Mahayana, there's a level of looseness involved within mm. Mahayana, right? There's like a, it's more of the idea, it's akin to the metaphor of um the finger pointing at the moon. Don't mistake the finger point for the moon. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm. more about the practice itself, the visceral practice of Buddhism, as opposed to the very strict nature in which you would use to practice Buddhism, right? Those are two different, very explicitly two different things, right? But um, yeah, Shonri. Can I jump in just for one second? Mm. One of my friends said one of the my favorite quotes when it comes to Buddhism, and he said the Buddha. His goal was to create other Buddhas, not Buddhism. Right. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. See, that's the problem that I find this tangent the with Christianity. I feel maybe Jesus Christ didn't intend if he was real or wasn't real. I don't think he intended to start Christianity or the or like he wanted to start a church, but not Christianity. But um, there was this other one called Mahayana Buddhism, and the, the Hidayana is basically Hidayana. That's the word. Th that's that's Theravada. So there's two uh, different okay, names. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Um, Hidayana is another way of saying Theravada. Right. Okay. I'll say Theravada because it's easier to say. But according to Shunryu Suzuki, Theravada is a, a, a way more strict. Way more practice. strict. Practice yeah. is like extremely Vipassana is there is based on Theravada. Theravada stuff. That's why yeah. we live in such crazy monk lifestyle. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Shunryu Suzuki says your mind has to be Mahayana, but your body has to be Theravada. Mm -hmm. And he says that's how he talks about My Buddhism. Man. And he's like, he's like, that's the nature. Middle so way, like, <laughs> if you go, if you go to like a Zen monastery or whatever, and you try to practice Soto Zen, like the the conditions are extremely strict. In fact, more strict than Vipassana. Like, there's a huge emphasis on like your posture, like huge. Mm. With with Vipassana, it's like get firstly get into any position you're comfortable with, and then do Aditana, right? And then if if you find for a beginner, if you find yourself in excruciating pain, feel free to change your posture. Right, but for people who aren't beginners, it's way more Theravada. But like, yeah, Zen, Soto Zen is extremely Theravada, extremely mm -hmm. Theravada. But they emphasize, Shinri Suzuki emphasizes that though in understanding, you know, has to be Mahayana, right? And I see that within Vagabond very vividly. It's just like, mm -hmm. it's not, I see that within the fight between Denshiro and Musashi, you know, way later on in the. Oh yeah. Also, I'm gonna put in the title that the spoilers. And yeah, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but fifty minutes in. Oh, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> in, the, in the fight between Denshiro um, and Musashi, you see, like Musashi is at that point in the arc, like three quarters of the way through the story. I think you would say he's very much developed the Mahayana, the wisdom, the prayi. What is it, prayi? Panya. 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 <laughs> you see him develop the Panya and like the wisdom and the Mahayana. You know, the idea of being like water, like the idealization of water. Um, at the same time, he's just like, it's not about the words that you use to get to something. It's the experience of something in of itself that gets you to where you need to be in terms of the Buddhist practice. And like, you know, even the flow and the Tao, the flow, the, the Dhamma or the Dharma, however you want to call it, the way all these different words. Whereas Denshiro was someone just because of virtue, by virtue of him being like the the, the leader of a clan or the what. The son of the, the leader. The son of the leader of the clan, which is the immense pressure placed in him. His practice is extremely Theravada-like. It's very rigid. It's very like, I have to do X, Y, Z. Like, you know, like getting good at life or in this mm. case, you know, fighting is a numbers game. You know what I mean? And how quickly, and he's very, he's very, you know, adept samurai. Yeah. But, um, that did not compare to Masashi. Like he's he's 
water-like nature in the fight you know mm. and like that's why he loses immediately actually it's it's interesting how that chapter starts off by letting you know he loses mm -hmm. and then he gets mm. to that you get to that like 20 chapters later mm -hmm. well like you start mm. off like it's almost like immediate knowledge it's just like yep denshiro loses because it's too rigid and you see it in his face you know you see yeah, it in the yeah, way yeah. the characters presented it very you know extremely rigid tall like you know like a rock mountain is a, a mountain, mountain. Is a mountain. Yeah, absolutely mountain <clears throat> yeah but um also this you see this like you see like this the duality between wisdom for what it is the felt wisdom and like wisdom through words the mm -hmm. detached the intellectual game. wisdom through routine yeah wisdom mm. through routine you see this fall apart when musashi first comes in contact with the yagyu mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what i mean like when he's about to kill the leader of the yagyu i forget mm -hmm. his name like his first name but uh wait before you jump into that yeah yeah um i do want to touch about about den shichiro yes um it's interesting that when he's swinging his sword at Musashi, Musashi is actually thinking to himself, like, like, why are you holding the sword like that? Like, don't you realize you can cut anything if you just hold it, yeah. you know, have some looseness in it. And then when he actually strikes down Den Shichiro, um, which I won't explain how, the, his, uh, Den Shichiro's disciples ask him, like, how did you do that? Yeah. And he says, I don't know, I just did it. Yeah. In the moment, like, I just yeah. grabbed, you know, that certain piece of equipment and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And mm. it just happened. There was no planning. But uh, let's... Back to you, Giorgio. Ah, because yes, you yes, did yes. bring up Angulimala <coughs> for Sorry, a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Huge cut, yeah, yeah. Whoops. And I'm but sure you're, you're all sitting there yeah. on the edge of your seats with your bloody anticipation. Um, look, look. the reason I brought it up initially is because of this very fact. Like, like okay, actually, I'm glad we got into the Denishiro sort of like tangent here because... Wait, wait, by the way, I think this is the only time I'll be able to correct people on their pronunciation and you guys are dropping like, you know, Sanskrit words everywhere. So I'm pretty sure it's Denshichiro. Right. Sorry. I love Denish... Okay. Right. Wait, what's the official stance? Uh, okay. Den uh, Shichiro. Uh, uh, am, am I the official? Stanley's You're the official. So if anything says wrong, blame Stanley. His email address is home address. Shichiro. Asian correspondent. Right, we're, we're saying Den Shichiro on the good word of, of Stanley Chin. Yes. And yep. if it's not, then it's come out. It's Stanley. Nicholas's fault. <laughs> okay. I'm the third guy here, right? So come to me if these guys are. Okay, I'll, I'm the last. All right, so Den Shichiro, right? Like you said, he's unable to learn anything new. He's got this great willpower. Similar to um, Masashi Me. himself, but the key difference is Masashi's able to learn. Now, similar to, um, you know, Angulimala, right, um, is that, you know, Masashi is sort of like, is this really strong-willed figure who is fundamentally in moha or ignorance. And moha. He, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to drop the Pali, baby. you got to drop Isn't the Pali. Isn't it Mara? Or is that illusion? That's illusion. Moha is ignorance. Moha. Okay. How separate are they? Are they the same thing or they're not? Maya is meant to be the game of sensations, if I'm not mistaken. The, I, thought, I honestly don't know. Like I the duality know. of the duality of life, good and bad. Mm. Like Maya spins, Maya Mara spins, dances endlessly, giving up the illusion of life, or the anima, as Per mm. Jung says. But like, yeah, Buddha ends up defeating... Just sorry, quick side tangent of yeah, yeah, Buddhist yeah. law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his, um um, um, Buddha dispels the illusions of Maya by picking up a blade of grass and declaring his enlightenment per the grounding of the world as opposed to the frivolous nature of the... Oh, is this when Buddha touches the ground? Yeah. Mm. And he says, uh, Mara says, you know, what is the point? Who recognizes your enlightenment? And he says, the earth is my witness. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Mm. What yeah. a quote. Badass, man. Bruh. <laughs> Dude, um, so, so, yeah, look, that's that's pretty much like... I think that the uh, Musashi's capability to learn is what makes him like Angulimala. Because yeah. Angulimala became a fully enlightened person. He became a Buddha in his own right 
you know, after he'd sort of gone through, he'd become, you know, a, a near demon or as close to a demon as a man can get. And he'd been fully absolved of that. Um, even even absolved, that confirms my, my Western bias using a word like that. But, you know, he sort of, he'd moved towards true Buddhahood, right? And you can say the same about Musashi. Musashi sort of learns from all his opponents and he has this radical development, which a lot of his opponents don't. So a lot of guys who are outclassing him, and this is where I'm, while well, I'm still hogging the mic here, I want to go to a, a tangent about um, Denshichiro, as per Stanley's <laughs> official pronunciation. Um, you know, Denshichiro and his brother, um, Seijiro. Seijiro is what Stanley told me for the podcast to call him. Seijiro, right? Uh, who's his brother? brother? Very, yeah. very pretty boy. I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, Seijiro. By his, the way, uh, it is Denshichiro. Denshichiro. Den yeah. okay. Anyway, you heard it here first. Yeah, there we right, go. Beautiful. Stanley's got the law book. All right. <laughs> All right, so Denshichiro and Seijiro. Now, Seijiro is kind of the opposite because Seijiro has a lot of natural talent because of his fluidity. So, uh, Seijiro can adapt to combat really well, um, and his whole character reflects that. You know, he's sort of like, he likes to take it easy with, um, you know, he likes uh, hanging out with, you know, getting on with the ladies. He likes drinking sake. He's a real man of the flesh. He's kind of like a warrior version of, of Matahachi in a lot of ways. He's like a successful Matahachi. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of what Matahachi wishes he was. Yeah. Except he's sort of damned by his sort of, I guess you could say his family obligation, which um, to, you know, sort of like be the head of the school, which he doesn't necessarily want to do. Mm. But what's interesting is where both the brothers, the, bo the brothers fail in opposite ways. You know, like you guys were, say were saying earlier, yeah. um, Denshichiro's uh, stiffness is the very thing that allows Matahachi to slay him easily. And, um, you Wait, know, Musashi to slay him. Sorry, sorry, Musashi to slay him, yeah. While Seijiro. <laughs> Parallel universe. And I'm so <laughs> glad <laughs> man. If Stanley was here, this podcast would be a train wreck. <laughs> 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 Matahachi just out of nowhere. <laughs> 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 I was like, was this the part of the manga that I was trying to read that wasn't loading? <laughs> so I just skipped it in the hopes I didn't get fucked from it. <laughs> we missed one page, man. All this crazy shit happens. happened to me when Matahachi, yeah, yeah, yeah. before the fight, like there was this whole like two chapters that couldn't load. And I'm just like, I went to the two chapters afterwards. I'm like, I really fucking hope nothing pivotal, <laughs> yeah. pivotal happened. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But I look, when Seijiro comes at, um, at, at Mar Musashi, not Matahachi, Musashi, <laughs> when he comes at him, um, he actually has this strong will to, he wants to protect his brother. And that's why he wants to preemptively kill, you know, uh, Musashi. But he loses a duel because he's distracted in a brief moment. And this distraction kind of shows what happens when, yeah, you're fluid, you have the ability to adapt, but you don't have the same determination and focus. Um, you don't have to use the Buddhist values again. You don't have the samadhi, the concentration yeah, necessary the samadhi. to fight. You know, sort of like he's like Seijiro has a lot of great talent. He's really fluid. He's got a great, what you could call like fighter IQ, the ability to adapt and respond and to sort of be um, improvisational where it's appropriate. But just through lack of um, sheer, you know, focus, he just takes his eyes off the prize for a second and, you know, Musashi wanted to win more because he is very focused. Yeah. And by that point in the story, our sort of like um, crazy demon Musashi has become a lot more wise. He doesn't even want to fight either of these guys, but he's sort of, you know, he knows how to outfluid the rigid guy and he knows how to outdiscipline the really, you know, yeah. sort of adaptable mm. guy. He's got breadth. Yeah. Mm. So, and yeah. that's kind of why I brought up Angulimala earlier because like he's sort of a character who goes down to the depths, but then he sort of... You know, he's able to turn his ultimate weaknesses of his sort of great defilement of his, you know, sort of like actions. Or great, he's, you know, that's the weakness, but his great strength is great discipline. 
Exactly. And he sort of, he harnesses the energy behind his defilements, mm-hmm. which is uh, what, what you sort of alluded to earlier with Daniel Ingram, Nick, of yeah. like, he has this sort of like one of his essays in um, Mastering the Core Teachings of the Buddha is uh, about harnessing the energy of your defilements. And it's about essentially that, you know, beneath, beneath all things that you could see as defilements are just fundamentally misguided or ignorantly driven um, things that ultimately want a good thing. Like, mm. for example, say you're angry and you have this sort of rage you fundamentally want justice. You you want to right a perceived wrong. Or if you're a real hedonistic pleasure seeker, fundamentally you want to be happy. You want to live a good life. You're just not necessarily doing that in the best way. Yeah. And so likewise, in the context of combat that you see in in, um, in Vagabond here, is, um you know, sort of Musashi is able to harness the energy of his own defilements. He turns this, yeah, he sort of has to sort wrestle with his sort of, his shit, which is, being obsessed about being the best and the you know strongest under the heavens and his issues with his father and all that but you know he sort of uses that energy he doesn't see oh just because this is symptom i can't actually you know actualize myself he still does it but he's just kind of like the i like the analogy you brought up earlier nick he's rewriting the operating system yeah. as he's running it you know yeah. which is really great thing to see because he is this defiled being undefiling himself through his defilements and you kind of see him just his, his his issues constantly keep coming back. He's sort of bloodlust, and but he's he's progressively working through it, hmm. and he's he's working from where he's at. He's not just trying to skip to this sort of ideal of perfection. He's not trying to skip to Buddhahood. He's not trying to throw his stuff away. I think what's cool about Musashi is that he's just he opens his he's open to experience, and he feels through his own karma, and he works through it naturally from where he's at, rather than trying to aim for where he thinks he should be. And, and that's what makes him so successful developing said, as a character. Yeah, yeah. And on that point, I think I'm, I'm jumping to the very end. You know, we're going to jump around the, the story. But another thing I really appreciated and something that really touched me was, as Giorgio says, he seeks wisdom. He's flexible enough to seek wisdom in different places. And at the end, this samurai, basically, he at the end is the closest he gets. Um, by the way, when I say at the end, the manga is not actually finished. Um, it's on hi- hiatus. Uh, hopefully he comes back, but you know, at the, the latest chapter available, he seeks advice from a lowly farmer. Hmm. And at that point hmm. in the manga, he is as close to invincible under the heaven as, as you can possibly get. And he's also the furthest away from it, egoically identifying with hmm. it too, which is... The, the I find the best paradox mm, exactly, mm. and there's a scene at the end when people ask him like, "What are you doing? You're basically, you're basically Michael Jordan. Every, yeah. Everyone knows you, LeBron James. You are the talk of the town. People are fearing you. And why, why, why are you plowing a field? And there's a line he says which really, you know, speaks to me. He says, you know, for too long, as a samurai, I was just so reliant upon like pushing strength." Now I have to learn how to yield, hmm. and I thought hmm. that was beautiful. Yeah, and there, and he seeks wisdom. He's fluid enough. He's wise enough to seek wisdom in different places. And at the very end, he seeks it from the earth. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Like I remember, like um, I just reread that whole arc recently, actually, and it's just like the um the senior farmer. I forget his name completely, but he's like he's he's sort of passing judgment onto Masashi saying what do you know about yielding what do you know about the weak like you know nothing about them your whole life you've only delved within the strong or amongst the strong and your whole life you've been like killing the weak while farming is completely different farming is about 
nurturing and respecting the weakness um and obviously there's a metaphor of just like not just like to what was it cultivating rice in farming arc but it was just like the weakness in people and etc and it's just like you massage has a very hard time integrating what it means to deal with weakness and come across weakness and helping cultivate and afford you know personhood through trampling weakness not trampling weakness but like sort of you know growing growth or whatever you want to call um, mm. helping bolstering sort of anything that's weak um yeah interesting amazing i reckon that's my favorite arc by the way i reckon farming arc mm. if you're a true vagabond fan you know the, farming. <laughs> the gentleman's pick hands the down. Gentleman's no one's pick. gonna argue that yeah. it's just like oh you're killing uh, yeah whatever the 70 nah it's a farming arc it's a farming arc it's a farming arc that's the that's the real juice that's the real meat i genuinely believe that though like mm. as far as like the culmination of the philosophy that that bleeds throughout vagabond i think the farming arc is the pinnacle of the story i think my favorite mm. There's, uh, it's that really and the hard first to Yagu, the Yagu. I love Yagu. Yeah. When he approaches, you know, what is I want to talk about that next, actually. Uh, and I, I think that's the power of this piece of art. You know, there's a scene when later on, Musashi, you know, I guess it's not a spoiler because he's a samurai, but he kills a lot of people. Um, what the fuck? Oh, what? Samurai's <laughs> killing people? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, but he takes out a lot of people and... I don't think that's any of our favorite. That's not our favorite part. It's it's cool, like it's cool in like the Michael Bay way. Yes, you know, yeah. it's a spectacle mm. in art. Oh, it's mm. one hell of a spectacle. It's beautifully yeah. done. Like yeah. it's it's amazing. It's like such a cool part. It's the it's the peak of a certain motif in the story. Mm. You know, but yeah, sorry. Well, at that moment, he has reached. I guess in many ways, like he's become one with the sword, but not but his ego is also Dude, quite fixed with it yeah well see that's the uh, tying into the the yagyu sort of idea here what he learns like yagyu by the way yeah. is a just for the people who uh, if you haven't read he's a f- very famous school of or he started a school of swordsmanship and he became very very famous and well-renowned throughout japan to the point where he was personally or his grandson was personally training the emperor so yeah a very very famous school in japan is it is that actual history that is actual history right interesting i didn't know yeah. that wow. yeah you, you know the the grandson who looks a lot like musashi yeah, yeah. basically mm. you know carbon copy of him. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he 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 goes and he trains with the emperor or he trains the emperor wow yeah the, wow that's interesting i didn't know that see that's, that's the other cool. cool thing about this this is actually like somewhat of a historical story like continuously you probably find a lot of that throughout it like yeah there's actually what's that real island um the gan ganryu oh yeah um which which from memory uh, is that is that kojiro's school of ganryu is the kojiro style is that kojiro style or is that kojiro style the ganryu style i don't think it was something about like rock is that right yeah 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 uh, anyway but um, I don't really there's remember. an actual island where Musashi and Kojiro fight. That's not in the manga yet, mm. but um, it's an actual island where they fight and they renamed the island in real life, mm. not because of the manga, because it's happened like 300 years ago. Mm. Yeah, the thing with the Yagyu is um, the Musashi and the Yagyu. I shows like, it shows he goes up to the Yagyu, the master, um, while he's sleeping or kind of sleeping, and he's like, "What does it mean to be invincible?" And he looks at him and says, "These are just words. They mean nothing." You know what I mean? And that's mm. like the first, that was like the seed planted 
of like the the frivolous nature of just like a title that someone bestows upon you or the 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 title that you yourself participate within creating you know it's merely a title just words right and then i feel like by the time he fights the 70 and he has nationwide acclaim to that title like he himself realizes the futility of that of the words of being mm. invincible under the heavens because like, like just heat haze is what he says and because like angulimala he's yeah, exactly. trapped yeah, in a cycle of death yeah. and he realizes he might have killed these people but he can't get away from it people chase him around trying to kill him and mm. he's actually less free than he was before the fight angulimala had that as well like mm. he was like he was like oh you know you you say you're enlightened, but you've done all this. People would, you know, attack him in the streets and he would just respond to them with compassion and say, I understand you hate me out of ignorance in the same way I killed out of ignorance. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's it's super interesting, man, because the way I feel like we're geared, this is a grand statement now, just like, you know, sociological, philosophical kind of situation. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but the way, the way that we're kind of geared towards, at least in the West, out of my personal experience, I feel like everyone here could sort of comment on that too. It's just like we're geared towards getting titles throughout our whole life we're like geared to become successful as as far as like a certain measure of social you know success what does it mean to be like this person or that person or like you know oh i'm the 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 ceo of the bank of westpac it's Mm. just like on one hand you can see that like a fiefdom you know what i mean like the, the 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 owner of some great fiefdom and be like, I'm this person. There's like, there's so much grandeur and luster that's bestowed upon a certain title. And then at the end of the day, what does that translate to an actual lived experience in life? It's just like, it can be more shallow than not even, than not even having that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Musashi with the title of invincible under the heavens. It's just like, when you get close to it, when you've personalized it, I find, Mm. you know, when you really investigate the lived experience of it, you realize it means nothing. You know, that's actually like maybe a bit of a, a spoiler towards our Vipassana podcast, but something I realize in Vipassana, it's just like, you know, when you're doing something, you're operating in the real world, when you're in such an environment where you're meditating every day, like how, how like how nothing intellect means or like how nothing in the moment of actually the lived experience, walking amongst trees. It's mm. not like you're seeing, you're saying to yourself, I'm walking amongst trees and then the beauty comes. It's like the beauty exists under that. The walking amongst yeah. the trees is just like a little, like smoke burning off a candle. As soon as it comes, it goes. These are just like small little one-dimensional characterizations of a specific moment and perception that just vanishes immediately as soon as it's uttered, like the mm. Tao, <laughs> the name of the Tao, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful allusion to that that I find in Buddhism in this story and his arc that I fucking love. So good. Amazing. Yeah, it's my sense on that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Now, yeah, it's 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 a really um, it's interesting because as you were saying that last stuff, especially, my mind went to um, Kojiro, because like Kod, you said, yeah. he is a man without words. Mm. He was sort of born without them. Like Masashi is a man who's sort of learning how to. He's a man with an epic poem in his head, and it's yeah. no surprise that he later became an artist and a philosopher and a poet because yeah. you know he has this great meta narrative. What is my life? What is the goal of my life? Even when he's just a brute, he he does think artistically yeah. or at least yeah. except he's the main character of that particular story i don't mean the story that he's i don't mean vagabond that story but i mean like the fact that he's the main character of the story in his head yeah that he's telling himself yeah while yeah. kojiro has this sort of pure unadulterated just uh connect to his experience and i guess that's kind of the ways they're foiled as well is that one of the interesting traits about masashi 
is that despite his sort of virile, masculine sort of confidence, he's a virgin and he's also, you know, not a big drinker, which yeah. are two like sort of, you know, traits of like, I guess you'd associate with pleasure, like sex and alcohol. While, you know, Kojiro, who's this sort of great warrior, is also this very carefree, lighthearted man. He's, you know, he's always going gallivanting around with, you know, these pretty, pretty young ladies and, and he's always, you know, smashing down sake and he can drink with the best of them. And, you know, it's almost like, Kojiro has this sort of he doesn't take life that seriously that he can sort of enjoy these sort of more base pleasures yeah. or Masashi is Mahiyana yeah yeah exactly Kojiro is the he has definition that, yeah. of Mahiyana yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah I don't yeah. know if the Mahiyana guys himself will tell you to go around and you know <laughs> get it on with the ladies and bloody smash sake but, but, but hey in, in spirit I get you in I agree, the sense I of agree. like how there's stories of like like yogis and gurus and sages going around being like oh yeah I drink or I fuck or whatever the yeah fuck. yeah and we expect just, them to be but they're still not, yeah. they're still like completely like what comes first is the experience not the actual like yeah. i mean takuan takuan it goes around like messing with people yeah bro mm. takuan's like he's a, a cheeky monk right shout out cheeky. shout out to takuan takuan's probably yeah takuan's a great yeah straight out um i wanted to ask you stanley i remember once you messaged me like and you sent me a picture of the you said one of your favorite panels that you love and it was takuan saying we are all under heavens our oh. path decided but at the same mm -hmm. time equally free I've been struggling to really get to the bottom of that meaning. Like, just on a very logical level, like, how can your path be fully decided under the heavens, but at the same time, you could be completely free? Like, how, what did that mean to you? Like, yeah. To me, what I saw was Takawan struggling with the idea of cruelty and pain. Yeah. Because he goes around walking through human society and he sees pain. And that's really the foundation of a lot of religions. There's pain in the world. There's suffering in the world. What can we do about it? And religions, a lot of religions give you antidotes, you know, like Sectarian. pray or do whatever, blah, 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 mm. meditate, whatever it is. And for Takuan, he, it was, it was internalizing, like, you know, where does this pain come from? And then there's a scene where he goes on the beach and then he sees lightning and then he has the words that Nick just said, which is, you know, um, you are free um, once you realize, you know, heaven, your path has already been de determined by the heavens or something like that. And what that said to me, what that meant to me was once you realize, once you let control, once you, sorry, once you let go of control, once you let go of the reins of life and you're able to experience and not be so focused on like maintaining power, you're not trying to wrestle with life. You're not trying to make things go your way. Once you realize that your path and that life, there's already like almost a determined, predetermined nature of life. The sun rises, the, the moon rises. There's there's already this like set of routine. And I, I know that goes really against the Western mindset, which is a lot about agency and individualism. Like in the West, it's you have a personal connection to God and thus all your actions are, you know, uh, ratified or, or you know ratified by god or whatever but in the eastern mindset it's almost like there's this system that already produces life there's a system produced by heaven by nature by the Tao, by whatever it is where life naturally comes along with that hmm. and hmm. with that comes suffering right yeah and with that comes joy and if you look at like we just take Shintoism, but I, I'm, this applies to a lot of other religions in the East. Like the sea both gives in terms of fish and kills with tsunamis. So like once you realize that, you know, life and death, pain and joy, 
are a part of life and you realize this is all part of nature's design. This Great is part dumb. of the heavens design. Mm. Once you realize that, you let go. Mm. And there's a freedom of just of not asking why me? Why am I in pain? Why is this happening to me? And once you let go of that, really that's, you know, that's that's probably the greatest affliction we have, our internal mind and the whisperings we say to ourselves. So that's what I thought Takoan is saying. Once you let go of that internal strife, that's when you're the most free. Right. Interesting. I, I agree that's with that beautiful. too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to add to that, that because um, like I've sort of like had glimpses of this, just glimpses in like my, I don't know, meditation experiences that it's like I've seen that the more attached I am to my own idea of what I want out of my life, the less free I am to actually appreciate whatever life is giving me. Yeah. Um, and then from yeah. the level beyond, and then it, it goes to the next step further that it's like, once you, um, yeah, once you actually stop trying to get a certain thing, you actually feel as if you have freedom because you're not at the bondage of your own reactions. You know, you're not at the bondage as, or at least as much. Sankaras. Yeah, of Sankaras, exactly. At the bondage right, of, going oh, through I crave Buddhism this. I'm going Buddhism 101 course right now. <laughs> yeah, man, Morgan. Our vagabond podcast turns straight up into like a, a Buddhist uh, propaganda channel. There. <laughs> nah, dude, I reckon. I reckon you can't that. separate the two. You got to. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you, you, can't. Can't. you cannot. You cannot. We couldn't separate. have any meaningful conversation about vagabond without going this way. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. I like. I yeah. feel like I don't know. Maybe the podcast would have been slightly different. Maybe so far, if like if you had like three, just as much as we're into like Buddhism and like philosophy and etc. Buddhist philosophy. But you had like three like people who are very into the art of fighting. Mm. Oh I man, wonder, yeah. I wonder mm. how. I like to hear that podcast. Imagine cool. what that would <laughs> yeah. sound like. Not, yeah. to, not to say it's better or worse, but just like I wonder what direction that would take. Mm. Yeah. I mean? But like, yeah, no. Well, no. that's just a testament to vagabond. Let's just let me just gush about vagabond for a second. What's so cool about it is how multifaceted it is. Yeah. Because we're coming here from this wherever perspective we're coming from, the kind of the way we're inclined to see it. But I think at its core, like any other great work of art, you can't really pin it down. And, yeah. you know, I hope no one in the audience thinks we're, you know, we're coming here with all the answers. We're just really saying how it struck us each personally. Yeah. And um, I reckon, yeah, you get three different dudes instead of us. And, you know, like I said, a bunch of fighters or people from any walk of life. And they're going to see something different. Like, I think it's a really, it's just a really rich story. Yeah. And, and, you know. As a, as a rich story, it's going to be able to just be a rich mirror mm. up to your own Dude. soul, you know. And uh, just get just to jump in, I went to Japan uh, two years ago, and I did this. Uh, funny enough, Airbnb has tours. I'm not sure if people know that. People just think of it as a place you can stay. The tours are really good, and I went to a few tours around Japan or through a few experiences, I should say. And I did a almost like a day lapping. Uh, for people who don't know, live action role playing <laughs> as a samurai, where we like trained, we spoke, we dressed in samurai clothes with this. a traditional, <laughs> with a real samurai. And at the end, I was like, I need to speak to him about Vagabond. So I pop up to him, like at, at the very end, I'm like, hey, do you know Vagabond? And he's just gushing about it. And I, and I asked him because he was pretty fluent in English, like, you know, like Vagabond is really about Musashi living in a time before police, before like law was just everywhere. She goes around killing cut people. Cut down anyone you want. <laughs> yeah. Like obviously you can't do that. And talking and continuing Giorgio's comment about multifaceted, like what do you see out of it? Because obviously you can't go around cutting down people who like disrespect you. And he says, well, you know, what I really take from it is the spirit of discipline and the spirit mm -hmm. of growth. And he would obviously see it in a much more like 
sword fighting way. Like I'm, I'm sure because he's just got experience, which we don't. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but he got that out of it as well. Yeah. Whilst we, you know, we might be more inclined towards the philosophical aspects, but yeah, he just said like Musashi's striving for understanding. And really, like if you look at what Musashi, what his journey is, it, he goes from chasing a goal and then and then self-reflecting and then realizing that goal is corrupt or that's not the goal he actually wants to go to. Yeah, so right. there's a lot yeah. of self-reflection in that. And even if you don't pick up a sword, like I've never picked up a, you know, I guess I have. I, have. I guess I have picked <laughs> up, uh, you know, via, via necklace, but I don't own one. I haven't stabbed anyone, you know, yet. <laughs> so, but I see the discipline. Yeah, I dude. see the will. That's the thing, like, huge, dude. That was actually the reason why I got my katana because I was like, I don't, I didn't buy the katana because I fucking needed to defend myself. Or, <laughs> or, or, like, you know, I was under threat or something. You know, like, it's not a fucking weapon for me. Like the katana at home, funnily enough, it sits in front of a statue of the Buddha. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? With like a bamboo next to it too and like sometimes I put the Vagabond my copy of Vagabond next to it <laughs> bro we're such Buddhist weebs <laughs> bro we stand Buddhism so much <laughs> bro that's the thing it's just like dude that's the oh thing it's God. like what, what most weebs are into are just like you know anime you know yeah. references or whatever it's just like oh yes anime references no <laughs> yeah Ooh. OG weebs man OG weebs just like just sipping for the east yeah. 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 the original <laughs> Goku man <laughs> but yeah. um yeah I bought it I bought it well, obviously with the Ziz quote on there and like obviously obviously, <laughs> obviously of course, bro. Of like saying we're all gonna make it and so like what for me what I bought the katana like it was that it was again like exactly what the samurai the real samurai from Japan was saying it's just like the idea of just like you know self-progression you know what I mean focus and everything like that it's all entwined within the sword the sword's a metaphor for that it's not like an actual fucking weapon even though it is an actual weapon you know but like yeah, it's 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 the metaphoric sort of, you know, striving the the sword, that's what it means for me. And just to jump on the symbolism of the sword, uh I'm going to switch to another manga, Berserk. You mm. actually mm. realize that Guts never lets go of his sword ever. Like, mm. you know, until yeah. The, anyway, I won't go into the spoilers, but he basically never lets go of his sword ever, and that I think really reflects on him symbolically as a character he's a struggler hmm. he fights to the very end he would die with his sword in his hand and he knows no other way and in that sense as you were saying nicholas like the sword becomes a symbol of progress or struggle or the fight mm, mm, exactly we're just being alive you know mm. that's like the bottom line it's just like the sword for me, once I was meditating, I had this fucking very cool... Med I was meditating with the sword. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was meditating with the sword. And then after, like, I got out of meditation, I unsheathed it. You know, and, like, unsheathing mm -hmm. a sword straight out of meditation is very hard. <laughs> very, <laughs> really, like, <clears throat> you feel connected <laughs> on, like, a level that's... It's more than just unsheathing a sword. But it just, like, in that moment, like, something clicked in me. It's just, like, the... The she unsheathing of a sword is just the the cold hard expression of life force. Is something that I was as connected to. It's not like you unsheathe the sword to end someone, but like, you know, maybe historically, yeah. In more often than not in history, unsheathing the sword meant someone's gonna die. Mm. <laughs> you know, but like in that one moment where I meditated, <laughs> you know, it was just unsheathing the sword for me. I had like this profound connection, just expression of life, and not just like expression, like artistic expression, but just like the 
receptiveness of being alive, like extremely receptive to the core element of just being alive as expression itself. It's like, I exist. Mm. That's a big part of Vagabond too. Yeah. There's a lot of cool moments where it's like, yeah, our sort of what our, our crazy barbarian hero just takes a moment to just know, enjoy the moonlight or just like, yeah. just, just to like, like, man, this is a cool world. You know, he's, it's, it's, those it's, panels are drawn so well. Now. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. The, the occasional sensitive moment, and you know, there's like, way more of them as the story goes on because as he sort of develops, as we've said. Um, Wait, before you jump into your point, yeah, can I go back onto your idea of the sword as a symbol? Yeah, um, I'm going to throw in Western philosophy because we actually haven't talked about that for a while. But as you're saying, like, the sword is a, is the struggle of life in many ways. That really reminds me of Albert Camus' quote, which is, the greatest rebellion we can do as existentialists is just to live. Mm. That's the greatest rebellion we can right. do. Right, yeah, dude, yeah. 100%. Right, that's the absurd yeah. hero. Yeah. And that's what I connect Musashi and hopefully I connect myself, like, you know, to as well, you know, in such a crazy world, in such a crazy world where you know that death is imminent, if you can as Takuan said, like appreciate as the natural cycle of the world and there is beauty in that, I guess you're free. Yeah, dude. Because what else can life throw at you that's, I guess, worse than death? Dude, 100%. Mm. I want to also tie in a Jungian quote into that. It's just like he says, he, Jung got asked, what's the biggest affliction that we have as human beings nowadays? He's like, our biggest affliction is our addiction to idealism. Mm. Like the idea of mm. just like, you know, there's this one thing I have to strive towards. There's one thing that's like, has to happen mm-hmm. you know what i mean like this this set of values that arises the equation of good and mm-hmm. bad or like mm-hmm. being in the light of it or being uh, antithetical to the light of it you know he says that's our biggest affliction it's just like uh, we need to have a more accepting idea of how life unfolds mm. and then uh, mm. yeah that's how we limit that's how we you know decrease our suffering the same mm. thing as this goenka siddhartha and Masashi, talk, you know? and talking about that before i throw it to georgia because i interrupted you um before i really wanted to bring up the albert Camus point mm. but you know i i remembered i'm like okay i'm gonna bring it up and then i actually forgot about it and i was like oh i gotta find it gotta find it and then i it's ironic how this always happens <laughs> I, I said you know what? I've forgotten the point and I'm okay with it. The moment I said that, I swear yeah. to God, it came back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I swear to God. You keep forcing, you keep forcing it, and then you go like, ah. You're solving the Chinese finger trap, man. Pushing yeah. Your fingers in. Exactly. That's exactly, it. dude. Um, Gio, what are you saying? Um, yeah, I was going to, actually, this has set, this has made my point even better now because like we've already got the theme going. Yes. Um, I wanted to almost take a step back to this idea of like Musashi's growth. I guess kind of like the samurai dude you met said and um, this aspect of growth and Musashi is the ultimate grower and the ultimate, you know, self-developer in that sense. Um, it's because the, nat- the nature of his self-development isn't like cultivating this set of values in a very linear way. It very much is just seeing his own deficit in the world or rather seeing like, oh, wow, this is where I'm lacking. And, and he sort of has this sort of like attitude of respect. It was, okay, I can really learn this from you. Uh, which is kind of why I guess going back to the uh, the great the farming guy uh, the old the old man expert farmer mm. the reason why he's so interesting as well is because he is so counter opposite to Masashi and you can't picture Masashi three hundred chapters before that 
or Dude, even 200 yeah, chapters before no, that, yeah. getting on board of this guy. He would kick his ass. Exactly. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> you insulting me? I'll kill you, bro. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> but, um, you know, like by that point in the story, he's like, he could, you could tell Masashi's ready to learn from anyone. Mm. And it's like, he's at the point now where he's See got so much... See the world in a grain of sand. Exactly. See, or is yeah. infinity in a grain of sand? Well, yeah, he's got so much humility that yeah. he's just like ready to see everything everywhere and yeah. that's like the idea of it's like his self-improvement is or self-development isn't just like oh cultivating this great image it's just like let's just get on board with everything yeah let's yeah you know, okay i've got this natural talent whatever let's try and integrate this integrate that um which i guess kind of links back to something i, I said earlier like the idea of the big mind or the buddha mind the buddha mind sees all it's kind of like a, it's this you know sort of much grander mind and he's just sort of to do that, he needs to quite literally dissolve his small mind or like at least act less in alignment with it by cultivating his Buddha nature, seeing the value in all things. Um, and I think that's why Musashi's sort of philosophical nature um, is so important. The yeah. fact that he is, he does see the beauty in everything mm-hmm. and that, that enables him to really engage with the world um, in a way that, you know, I mean, hopefully Vagabond does get finished, but I'd love to see what the tipping point is that makes him outshine um, you know, Kodro is a fighter. Or what because we know it's f- not just going to be pure fighting. There's going to yeah. have to be a philosophical do, do you, angle. Do you want to know yeah. the, um, according to the book from the early 20th century, do you want to know the ending to that? Well, I mean, it doesn't even matter because Kodro is a different character in that book. Like, I yeah. heard he's like, he's a real bastard and he's yeah, real, you he know. Is, so it's is. like, I can't even, the dynamic between them isn't the same. I'll say, you can say if you want. It's yeah, interesting, just for the sake yeah, go of for it. It's interesting the way he defeats him. I found it like really strategically, like, you know, hard on, mm. strategical hard on. You know, like what happened was they were fighting on the beach on that on that island, mm. um, and what happened was Musashi positioned himself um, uh, to, to to he started the fight yes. mm. at the position where the sun comes up. So they met at the island just before dawn, right? Mm. So um, and Musashi didn't have his sword; he had a fucking paddle, right? And then Kojiro had a sword, and then the way he defeated him was. When the sun came up, the sun shone directly into Kojiro's eyes and Musashi jumped over him because he was on a slightly elevated... He had the higher ground. Mm. And then he jumps over him and just fucking kills him with a paddle. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So along the lines of that. That's how it happens according to... I don't know how that's going to happen in Vagabond though. You know, I oh, will say some good news for Or, or e- even more importantly, what, what stirs him to fight and that's, kill Kojiro yeah, that's the other thing that's too. a really big question yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. at the end with Denshichiro if you remember he says are you sure you want to fight let's actually let's settle this and let's just sit down yeah. and let it go and you know I, I love Denshichiro uh, the weight of the world the weight of his school the weight of honor very rigid his father. very rigid mm. uh, and actually one thing that uh, Inoue does the death scenes are really beautiful and mm. that death scene with Dan Shichiro is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but he was unable to socially and personally let go of the fight. And that makes me ask, after Musashi has adopted so much humility or has become so humble, what makes him want to kill and fight Kojiro? I personally think, I think what what's going to happen is... I reckon Kojiro just wants to fight for the sake of fun. Mm-hmm. Me too. And then, mm. like, I think he's just going to, like, he was with the snowman situation, you know, mm-hmm. where they're fighting with sticks, and then Kojiro unsheaths his sword a little bit, and Masashi, like, pauses. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm. think I think it's going to be something along the lines of that. Yeah, me too. Like, because mm. Kojiro doesn't fight out of anger. He never fought out of anger. The only time he fought out of anger was against Itosai. 
Mm. You know what I mean? But that that gets dissolved fairly quickly. He doesn't really fight out, out of anger anywhere else. He, he looks at fighting, like we said earlier, as like a way of communication. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he probably was just aching to communicate with Musashi. You know, and then, um, and then yeah, I think that's what happens. And then Musashi just mm. kind of maybe accepts that fate. I think so. Know? I think that's the, the only way. Because if Musashi, I just can't see him running in and, you know, wildly attacking this guy after all the progress is made. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could very much be like a non to the death duel, and it's like it's like there won't be an actual. It could be they fight with you know oar paddles or sticks again, like they did last yeah, time. It'll yeah, be this yeah. sort of like it'll have the intensity of a sword fight, Story but none might of the, even the lethality. Yeah, Story for sure. Might even change. I, um, I mean, look, I was gonna say another thing that's worth considering is that even during the farming arc we're talking about earlier, you know, we haven't forgotten that through a lot of that, um, he's sort of his bloodlust takes the form of this sort of demon that kind of plagues him. Yeah, even before. Mm. So he's it's not he's not out yeah. of the woods of that. He's still that's yeah, part no. of his karma. That still weighs on his soul. Dude, you know that still does I, have bloodlust. That's what I really yeah. enjoyed in it. Like when the mm. first time that ego sort of came up in the form of that little weird disgusting like little smudge or whatever you mm. want to call it. Like it doesn't show Musashi just like have that and then dispel it and then you never see it again. It's not just like a it doesn't portray like the battling with the ego as something that just happens in like a few panels and then that's it. Oh yeah, I'm over it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm a good like, guy now. Even, I don't even, kill even in the real world, yeah. like when you're on that quest to sort of like dissolve the ego as much as you can, or a certain understanding, a certain cognition, it's not as or trauma. It's not as something that just mm. like you work with it once and then it just goes away. Like nah, this is like a thing that grows inside you that goes away, that comes back, goes mm. away. And Masashi battles with that to the end. Mm. which I found cool, really humanizing. Mm. Absolutely. Know? Again, it isn't just like a perseverance. Like Musashi isn't just like, his perseverance isn't just transferred to the spiritual realm. You know, it's also there to like his struggle. You know, it's mm. constantly there. Like, you know, and that's a fucking mad depiction of like what it's like to actually battle with something like that. And that's know? really different to the abrahamic understanding of good and evil yeah for example yeah. god smites satan or in armageddon good or evil you know triumph and it's very final yeah yeah it's one very side evil. wins it's, yeah and that's it it's yeah. very it's dualism I mean, that's really at the heart of a lot of abrahamic religions god and the devil satan and they stand as polar opposites and there's no there's no overlapping yeah yeah. But in Eastern religions and Eastern faith and philosophy, there is overlap. And, and sin is, to something that Giorgio often says, sin is not sin. It's just, you know, uh, people who lack wisdom. Mm. That's really what it is. It's mm. just uh, mental lapses or, or spiritual lapses. You know what sin translates to in Aramaic? I think it's Aramaic or, Jude- or, or Judeo. Sin actually doesn't mean like outright evil. Sin, trans- this is recent, like fair, like not many people know this. Sin it was meant to mean purely the phrase missing the mark. Ah. Mm. So it's, just, it's not like you fucked up, like you're a bad person because you're a sinner. It just meant you've missed the mark. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Some Which bad I found, dude out there just fucked us up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but mistranslations um, go a long way. Denshiro, Denshiro. And actually on that point of like finality and the final battle, as you were saying, he constantly chips away at his ego. And it's something... That comes back to him constantly. And that really reminds me of another quote in Zen Buddhism where um, before you become enlightened, you chop wood and you carry water. Yeah, and man. after you become enlightened, you chop wood and you carry water. Yeah, I love that quote. Yeah, man. 
That's awesome. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> how, how many other Buddhist references can we make? Vagabond yeah, is like a Buddhist canon. Yeah. Right. Like, like yeah. In, in a thousand years. It's pretty much scripture, man. Yeah. <laughs> in a thousand years, it'll be like a koan. Add it to the Pali canon. Exactly. It's just like, like Vagabond in Sanskrit. Yeah. There'll be monks talking about strongest under the heaven and heat hazes. And, in you know. Vagabond, a type of koan. Yeah. It was. Like, imagine it in like uh, what's his name? Shamiru Suzuki's voice. Yeah. Long time ago. Vagabond. You know. Uh, big thing. Yeah, Musashi. Good fighter. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just like goes tells the whole story. Yeah. But yeah, no, real talk, I actually think this is all preamble to say that Jitaro is my favorite character. When he killed that fucking dog, dude, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're cutting the podcast. Yeah, that, mud, that mud had a common, bro. Like, <laughs> actually, yeah. can I ask what are your favorite characters? I mean, okay, there's along various, like, dimensions. All right, Nick is going to give us six characters. Okay, <laughs> I'll give you one. Okay, I'll give you one. Give us six. I'll give, you, I'll give you one. I love GSI. Uh-huh. Maybe it's because that's the copy that you gave me. I've just, like, reread uh-huh. that arc so many times. Uh-huh. But, like, GSI is cool. Mm-hmm. Itosai is cool. Fuck. Do, do you know who GSI is? Yeah, he's uh, Kojiro's adopted father. Yeah, 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 dude, I really like, like, his full He's arc. great, man. He's GSI awesome. is, like, full, like, self, like, you know delusion and like his whole like his destitute nature and then it's mm. like you know just transforms into a savior and uh, he's humble actually his musashi in many ways because he was considered invincible under the sun yeah but yeah. musashi kept growing he kept seeking he kept he basically de musashi deconstructed the word whilst uh gsi never did yeah. gsi thought he had it and then he lost it but he never understood that the word itself was deceptive. Yes. But yeah. Musashi did. Yeah. I think that's a big difference. Yeah. And then um oh, yeah, I'd say I'm gonna go with GSI just because just because like, you know, I really love his story. Mm-hmm. GSI. I'm gonna give a boring answer. Uh, oh, but, yeah, but first I'll say yeah, GSI, he's he's great. Um and yeah, he's he's definitely an underrated side character for sure. I'm gonna give a boring answer and just straight up say Masashi. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man! He's got the most. You like no I like Goku. <laughs> I like Sonic, man. Like, all right. <laughs> Look, you, you like think... Ash Ketchum? <laughs> yeah. My favorite Pokemon? Pikachu, baby. Pikachu. Yeah, like... Like red version, like Charizard. Bro. You know, like, when I when I got Pikachu, when I got Ruby, I, my whole inventory, my whole like fucking like you six know, Pikachus, bro. Like, six straight up, team of six Pikachus. Level 100. Mine was Rayquaza. I had six Rayquazas. <laughs> six Rayquazas. I had like the Emerald version cloning trick. So you yeah. six Rayquazas. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oh my God. Masashi's All right, Pokemon good. podcast. Man. All right, look, here's what I like about Masashi, man. Um, he's hot. He's a babe, bro. He's, he's, hot. he's a honk. Like oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Look, you know what? I was thinking about, it's the whole growth thing, man. Like, look, okay. Favorite character from like, a, oh my god, he's so cool. It's actually Kojiro for me. Yeah, I love Kojiro. The whole like, he's this badass, the innocence of a literally child. Water. Yeah, like it's like there's something water. really aspirational about him. Like I, I'd see Kojiro, I'm like, dude, this is like a, a peak human being. Like he has something so precious in him. Mm. But like the thing, Musashi, to me is more. 
There's a, you know, I think we all have a part of Kojiro in ourselves that we can tap into. But the thing about Masashi is that he takes on everyone. Or at least the story is written in a way that we can see him integrating his inner Kojiro. Mm-hmm. He learns from Seijiro. He learns from or Denishichiro. He learns from everybody. Like, you know, he learns from Takuma, whatever. Like, I'm going to list every character in, in, the, <laughs> in the bloody manga. But, like, I think of this sense of... There's this foolhardiness that I really love that's sort of like... Masashi is ultimately just a guy who's out there really living his life. Mm. And if we were talking about earlier about the idea of freedom, Masashi's free because he's constantly trying to, you know, sort of break his conditioning while also fully accepting and working through the fact that he has conditioning. Yeah. You know, he's just a guy burning through his karma. He's living his life. He's like, yeah, I want to be the strongest in the heavens. Even after I realize that's bullshit and I'm out here farming to humble myself, I'm still... You know, there's a part of my, me that sort of has these bloodlust demons whispering in my ears. Mm. And there's a very, like, obscure scene which really, uh, I don't know, really, like, puts this into perspective for me. Like, it was it was a really one-off, off-the-cuff kind of thing, but it really, it really affected me. Where it's, um, he's in prison and the, oh, the yeah. elder monks are visiting him. So it's right... He's in prison right after him. Um, I can't remember. Is it, it's after the um, before after he, the seventy. Yeah, but is it before the seventy or after? No, it's after, after the seventy. After he gets 70. apprehended for the seventy. That's right. That's right. While he's while he's weak, and they they they're able to take him in, and he doesn't really resist. Um, so the monk, one of the monks there, it's interesting. There's, there's a monk there that's kind of talking high and mighty about the middle way. He's talking high and mighty about Buddhism. You know, kind of like kind of like us three pricks now sitting. He's like, oh, bro, Buddha ceremony. <laughs> but you know, like he's, he's a monk saying, ah, oh, yes, you know, I see the bloodlust in you, but the middle way is the way to go. And then the monk immediately doubts himself. He says it out of words. It doesn't say out of experience. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he's just like, oh, he just you know. memorized like the Buddhist mm. scripture and just says, oh, yeah. Exactly. And, and the monk has a moment of humility yeah. where he's like, he realizes, you know what? What I respect about you, man, is that you, you know, you're out there doing it. Like you're being like an idiot and getting it out of your system. Mm. But you actually go all the way. Like it's kind of, you know, picture a person who says, let's say someone who um, says, oh, the pursuit of, um, you know, pursuing women relentlessly, being a pickup artist, that's so stupid, that's dumb. But let's say this person is, a, you know, a maybe an incel, maybe they're a virgin, but they have no confidence, whatever. Yeah. So they, they throw it away because they can't get it, you know. But, you know, Masashi's the kind of guy that he'll go for, well, no, he's, he's a virgin, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> In this example, he'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to get 100 girls, get it on my system. He's like, no, nah, now I know I don't want to do that. It's like Frank it, Yang. He's like, yeah, yeah, Frank, yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows with full confidence because he's actually done it. Like, Masashi's a guy that he's willing to live the path he has. While this old monk, he gets to a place that's pretty happy, but it's a lot of unearned wisdom. You know, it's a lot of just like vicarious, oh, I know that the Buddha said this and he's enlightened and he's saintly, so I'm going to follow his way. But everything Musashi learns is through direct experience. Mm. And when Musashi thinks something's bullshit, he thinks it's bullshit. And when he gets humbled and he gets sort of like put in check, he he's willing around. to take yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I think that Musashi is ultimately like, even though, yeah, I find Kojiro one of the most inspiring characters as far as like the energy he has. Musashi's like approach to life. I think every human being on the planet who oh. has any interest whatsoever in self-development, in self, you know, what do we call it? Self-development, self-improvement, or just overall, just living. Living, a, a, the a, art of living. Yeah, the art of living, yeah. having a well-fulfilled, well-balanced life. It's, Musashi is a role model. Yes, Masashi's Musashi's probably the best role model you can really have. Like he's yeah. doing everything in his power Amen. To, to do that, you know? Amen. So that's why Amen. my boring answer, I think Masashi is my favorite character. I, I think, think that's awesome. a good boring answer. Yeah. <laughs> There's substance behind it. And I'll mirror a lot of what you say. Uh, if I have to give a shout out to a side character, probably Takuan. I just love the wisdom. And he's also <laughs> very willing to call out Musashi on his bullshit. 
Yeah. Right. Just like Musashi's very willing to call out other people. Uh, I'm not sure how much I can add to what Giorgio said. If I will add anything, I just love his drive, his insatiable drive to grow, to push himself. I just admire that so much. Mm. And I think the difference between him and Kojiro, in many ways, Kojiro, you could say because of his circumstances, of his you know abilities, disabilities included, he came towards sword fighting. He was a natural genius, he was very strong. But I never really saw him struggle to the same extent now that might be because the manga doesn't follow his exploits as much mm. but you see musashi succeed fail succeed fail succeed and fail but what you never see is him waver yeah and i love that yeah. i love that yeah and i'm sure if this manga was written from kojiro's position i'm sure we'll see something similar hey it's not it's written from really Musashi's point of view. And I just, I love the perseverance. And this is something that uh, I've thought about because, you know, I'm a big fan of other mangas, other other animes, even things like uh, Evangelion, which I enjoy. I definitely enjoy it. You know, the art is beautiful and, and the music is fantastic. Um, I know it's a completely different experience, so maybe it's not fair for me to compare, but like I, I find it quite hard to relate to Shinji. Uh, in many ways and maybe that's not the point I'm not supposed to relate to Shinji but I find his uh, running away from responsibility you know maybe at the end it changes but I just compare that to Musashi and I just I just love what Musashi stands for um, Shinji's like a Matahachi yeah and Bro, I was just thinking that yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. it's maybe it's not fair you know he's a different character you know not every character needs to be like you know Buddhist Hercules. Not every guy has to be that, but how well he's written, how well he's developed, I I just love it. I really respect him. And yeah. I think he's a model for me and other people. For I, everyone. I think like if we're gonna go around and say our peace on Masashi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Around the time sucking his dick, you know. Well. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't write anything down. <laughs> it was so sweet. <laughs> um, no, but I think yeah, no, I definitely look like when when I found Vagabond in like a, a fairly difficult time in my like under life for the past year, like looking at Masashi was definitely like a awe inspiring. It, it it inspired me to change a lot. And it inspired me to like take genuine like control or lack of control or revel in the lack of control in what's going around around me and everything like that. And I think Musashi, I think, yeah, I think you guys really, to be honest, covered the full experience there, to be honest. But yeah, no, Musashi's a G. Buddha's Hercules, man. Buddha's Hercules. <laughs> I like that. That's the best. That's the best one. Yeah, Buddha's that's Hercules, great, man. man. Hey, can I ask you? So, there's a, you know, surprise, surprise, making another reference to Buddhism. There's a quote in Buddhism, uh, or I think a koan, which says, if you see the Buddha, kill the Buddha. Yeah. And the mm. idea is, obviously, don't physically hurt anyone, but kill the image of Buddha. Yes. Basically, if you externalize Buddha, if you think Buddhahood is something that he has or she has, something outside you, it's very hard to reach it. Because you think, it, you know, it's actually killing the Western or the Abrahamic idea of externalizing externalizing mm. conquest yeah. yeah yeah externalizing the idea you know. not enough and mm -hmm. yeah. conquest the heathens and then you know turn them into christians etc or, or muslims whatever it is etc etc but 
do you think, uh, and I'm really just speaking off the cuff, but do you think it's important for us to kill Musashi, to kill his image? Um, you know, is it important ooh, yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, we respect like all this stuff and, and I hella respect him. I, I love him as a character. Everything he stands for. But I could say that about the Buddha as well. I f yeah, I feel as if it's, it's um, it depends where you're at, to be honest. Like there's a way to skillfully integrate the character 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 of Masashi into your mm. life and where you understand like, you know, the nuance of what, what a character means. But actually, you know what? In the manga itself, there's this moment just before... Musashi goes to challenge the 70. He's up in the tree just watching like, you know, mm -hmm. the situation unfold. And then he's like, he's having a moment of reflection on his life, completely unrelated to what's going around around him in that moment. And he's thinking about um, his recent run-in with Matahachi again, where Matahachi was essentially doing that, externalizing Musashi, saying, oh, you're Musashi, you always win, you're always the best. Like me, I'm, my life is ruined. Like I'm a nobody and this and that. And he's thinking about that. And he's also at the same time thinking about Otsu, and how in love he is with Otsu, but he's never, that was the first time he saw Madahachi in years, and like he's only ran into Otsu like at that point in the story, maybe twice, or I think even once, I think just once actually. It was with yeah. the Yagu, right? Yeah, yeah, with mm. the Yagu, that was it. Um, and then no, it once they make, because he, they make he eye saw contact her at the, and yeah. Then Shichiro, yeah. And, and what happens is, he says this line just before he jumps down and embraces the action, he's just like, um, He's like all this character, like he was talking to Matahachi, but also being like aware in, in, in himself. It's like Matahachi's made a character of me called Musashi. That's mm -hmm. all in his head. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, and he says the same way that I've made this character that I'm in love with called Otsu. It's like Matahachi's made this character called Musashi that he loves to hate. And then I've created Otsu in my head. Does that, he say that? Or something along the lines of Really? That. I don't remember that. Um, and then he's like, just like I've created of Otsu that I love or something. And then he says, that's all within me. It's all within you, you know? And then he just mm. drops out of the tree and it continues. But like, I, I remember seeing that. And I saw it again today recently when I went over it. I'm like, holy fuck, that's such a big thing. And I feel like that's what it means to kill the Buddha. It's just like, you know, you externalize this image and then you just let yourself experience your own externalization, which in, on one hand you create unconsciously. And then on the other hand, you experience consciously. And then you're forever stuck in this dualistic dynamic of between something's outside of me that I have to get. Because you assume that your ego's, you know, the island of yourself. You know what I mean? And um, I think Mata, uh, Musashi makes a very clear point in like, you know, how you should treat Musashi in that moment. It's just like this idea of just like, Musashi's a character that you've chosen to love. And mm -hmm. you've created in your head. And, you know, that's ultimately you. What is right? I feel like what he's pointing to on a on a phenomenological scale is just like you've contributed in creating Musashi in your just pure experience of him you know what I mean and understand that your cognition to produce something like that means you're capable of experiencing that if you can create it you can experience it it's like the dynamic of experience you know I feel like that's where he addresses mm. that really but um Apart from that, Musashi's a sick cunt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like outside of me, like beyond Musashi, Musashi. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that's if a I really. Could be anyone, I'd be Musashi. It's a really well-established take. And look, to answer Stanley's question, about should we kill Musashi? I'm gonna say, shut the fuck up, Stanley. Musashi's the best. I love him. You talk shit about it again. I'm gonna come to your house and send mail show you Musashi. Look, in all, in all seriousness, you know what? Look, I actually, I, I, I like the idea. And you know, but I think in this case, in order to kill Musashi, you have to hug Matahachi. 
Because I think you can't see the characters as separate from each other. I see. At least in that idea, because the ultimate exemplar of self-improvement goodness is, um, you know, contrasted with Matahachi, who constantly dreams about reinventing himself. He steals Kojiro's name, steals other people's identities. He uh, pretends to be something he's not. He convinces himself of egoic lies. Like, while Masashi breaks himself down and challenges himself, not just physically, but he's, you know, like we said, he's challenging his sort of, his ego and his self-image, and he's constantly trying to be better. Matahachi's constantly trying to erase his idea of himself. Mm -hmm. And he constantly has this sort of, like, I guess you could say this sort of impotent dream of overcoming Masashi that he never makes any genuine steps towards. Mm. He just likes the idea of having that dream. He likes the idea well, of being... In, in a sense, guy. he's doing what he loves. Mm. He loves having ideas. Oh, he yeah, he's a frustrating character and he's, he's hard to yeah. like. Like, you want to... You, you wanna- you want to knock the guy's lights out when you read about him, man. Like, every time there'd be a Matahachi story, I'd be cringing. Like, I, I rarely cringe. I, I'm pretty cringe-proof. I usually got a stony face. But I'm reading like, Matahachi. Oh, I'm like, oh, God. Bro, the times in the manga. Oh, God, times, it's hard. Times in the manga where, like, Massage is doing some hectic shit, then it cuts to Matahachi. One hand, I'm like, this is very good storytelling. I like yeah, how he yeah, does yeah, it. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to hear. I don't want to fucking go through like 10 more chapters of just being like oh man <laughs> but you know what's funny though on the on the yeah. facebook page because i'm gonna post this podcast on the fucking facebook page oh they're gonna, love it. they're gonna love it you know i hope you're listening and you're from there <laughs> and you get this far but like uh, i remember seeing this picture on that facebook page the vagabond drift posting facebook mm. page oh you're damn right where it's just like it said <laughs> the the virgin Musashi and the Chad Matahachi <laughs> and it just like goes around Japan fucks women gets drunk all the time fucking cares, cares about has good family values cares about his parents and his Musashi's like swinging a sword it's just a heat haze <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is hilarious yeah, up. I'm like that's genius, <laughs> that's genius. oh man but look oh it's just so funny in all seriousness about Matahachi, like the whole hug Matahachi thing, like yeah, he's cringe. I trust me, I I cringe hard when I read it. But like to like it's in order to yeah, in order to appreciate Masashi, you can't just be like fanboying or fangirling about how cool Masashi is. Yeah, yeah. You have to be like, dude, you got to just be taking him as a character, just see him for what he is. Game of sensations, Matahachi, yeah, Masashi. Yeah. <laughs> Both start with M. Yeah, exactly. Both men, both <laughs> Japanese. You, you obsess. You obsess about Masashi. You become Matahachi. Yeah. You obsess mm. on be like Masashi, then you mm. become him. But in some ways, you say, okay, if you are a bit of a Matahachi in your own life in any capacity, the first step comes from accepting you're a Matahachi. Words of talk one. Accept where you are. Your work starts there. Exactly. Yeah. The fir- the, you know, the journey of a thousand. This is a Laozi, I believe. Chinese fact checker. <laughs> the, the journey of a thousand steps by the way, to the one Stanley step, right? Yeah, by the way, the audience, they, they were just pointing towards me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, Eastern correspondent. They don't know what we look like. Yeah, Nick and I are both like very Greek, right? And Stanley's me too. very Chinese. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're all very Greek. Greek. I jumped in. Honorable Greek. We played a game of backgammon with him. You know, he had a very small coffee. It was, it was all ritual. The way, you know? the way I Sword and gun to the table. The way, the way that I cognitivize Stanley is like how like the the Rome the, the the Chinese looked at Rome and Rome looked at Chinese like great empire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Chinese are like great empire in the West. Yeah, it's like they're too far away from each other to have any real animosity. Yeah. Like they just accept good stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm only gonna piss on my fire hydrant. I ain't gonna piss on yours, man. You do your thing, man. You stay on your side or stay on our side, until man. The Chinese, until the Chinese bought the port of Piraeus in Greece. Yeah. Oh, we bring the, that up. That was the <laughs> All right, yeah. political tension for the rest of the podcast. Let's go, boys. Yeah. Actually, uh, actually, uh, no, the greatest union, sorry to interject, the greatest union between <laughs> West and East was the following story I will tell. Did you know that the East didn't really, like, they never got into carving, like, stone and, like, marble, uh, obviously. I know where this is going. They, yeah, mm. of course you do. They never got into carving as much as they did to just, like, you know, painting and all that kind of stuff. They never got into carving statues until Alexander the Great came. And, like, mm. with him, he obviously, within his walking city of conquering Greek people, um, <laughs> you know, they had, like, stone you carvers. Know, specific mention, Greek people. Not just people, Persians. Greek people. <laughs> so, so also, by that point, it was Persians. It was, um, and they, they had, obviously, they had stonemasons. And um, that's when they started getting into carving Buddha out of stone. Mm. And one of the first carvings of Buddha that exists, they have... It's Greco, Greco in design, like in mm -hmm. the style. It's very Greek, right? And they have Hercules guarding Buddha. Mm. And I'm like, I look at that, I'm like, I'm friends with Stanley. I'm like, Stanley's friends with me and I'm friends with Stanley. Like, that is the ultimate union between <laughs> my book. By the way, both, oh, both awesome. Nicholas and Giorgio are firm, firm believers that Alexander the Great was Greek. Just, just. Yeah, we believe in facts. Macedonia? What? In the words of Carl Jung, when someone questioned him if he believes in God, he says, I don't believe, I know. I don't believe, Alexander. Oh, I believe. I have faith. I have faith. I told myself story. No, it's, it's for me, it's a fact. <laughs> so if you are Macedonian, if you are Macedonian, listen. This at me, <laughs> <laughs> at me. Nah, look, no hate, no hate. You're our brothers from the north, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. To touch, to touch back on that quote, uh, the was it uh, one footstep or a step starts a you know a journey of a thousand miles or something. I'm pretty sure that's Confucius. Oh, okay. Uh, do you retract yeah. that? Hey, I'm not going to fight the Chinese guy in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if he says Confucius, you know, Confucius, man. Oh, it's so <laughs> you, tell me, you tell me that's Anguli Mala, whatever. <laughs> just, just pure shit talk. You what tell me that's Herodotus, bro, I'll take it. <laughs> what, what, what's the Confucius adaptation of Vagabond? What would that look like? Oh, Den Shichiro. Oh, right. Yeah, he's the yeah. hero. No, but <laughs> he, he's the hero of Vagabond. If it was rewritten, like... Musashi forgives his father and realizes he's in the wrong for not being in the school. A little piety, baby. <laughs> and and he, he switches the sword for like a lot of like priest robes and he just does priest, you know, priestal, priestal? Priest rituals everywhere. Does he also open mm. up like a business? He's <laughs> <laughs> a stakeholder of society. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the Confucian outlook on, on this. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, sick. Well, do we have anything else to really cover with I have I've got uh one more thing, but yes, go uh, for but it. But no, Georgia, I'm gonna throw the ball to you. Do you have something you want to throw up? Um Actually yeah, I just wanted to finish yeah, say 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 a little more about the um the embracing Matahachi thing. Yes. There's still one more one more aspect of that I wanted to cover is that I think, yeah, look, recognizing that Matahachi is is presented as an ultimate symbol of human weakness. The greatest of the storytelling is that he is cringe. And then you have to not cringe at him because in, if you hate or resent the, the Matahachi in yourself, 
you can never have the openness that Masashi needs mm. to, you know, Masashi can't hate himself in order to change. He simply connects to his love for self-development, his mm. natural desire to self-cultivate. He sees a flaw and he doesn't sit there saying, no, I'm flawed, I'm wrong. He's like, okay, no, I'm open to learning the right way. Mm. And I think in some sense, at least in this meta-narrative of seeing this paragon of self-improvement in, you know, Mata, uh, in Musashi, I think Matahachi provides just this perfect foil to like, look, if you're in a neurotic uh, bloody stew of self-resentment... Start again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to know how to start again, man. Smile like, and start again. Smile and start again. And you know what? Matahachi... Yeah, hugging Matahachi is, is what that is to me. That's yeah, how I see yeah, that. Yeah, beautiful. And the, that was a bit of Sengoenko, you know, talking about like, you know, when you're meditating and you're just crowded, you can't, you can't stop thinking or something's bothering you. Just like, you're not going to sitting there and hating and this goes for anything that's meditating meditating is like a grand activity of life but there's like metaphorically it's just like you're doing anything in life everything's difficult at first that's a direct quote from musashi from the book of five rings everything's difficult at first no matter what you do and it's like the idea of you're doing something you're fucking up sitting there yeah. and hating yourself being like oh, i wish i was i wish i was this i wish i was that i wish <laughs> yeah. i was this yeah i don't like this feeling smile start again don't mm -hmm. be depressed don't be don't be fearful don't be scared don't be like hateful don't be spiteful just smile and start again you know there's a lot yeah, of that's cool narcissism in self-hate yeah because there's an idea of where you should be yes and i should be perfect i should be beautiful i should be whatever and it, it's delusional it's, that it's also yeah. very mm. self uh what's the right word centric it's yeah. very egocentric i should be i should be i should be so yeah there is a lot of narcissism in self-hate dude mm. i feel like quick um quick for passing aside so this is all going to be said in the passing broadcast as well um but the idea is that i met this dude there right this is a fucking big tangent from vagabond but like slightly related i met this dude there he was the chairman of are you okay right? oh and he was really in, yeah mm. dude and he was before he was that he was very he was some indian dude like very implicated in the corporate world like mm -hmm. high level corporate world i'm talking about like people like rubbing shoulders with people who make millions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and he was telling me this story on the last night when we were speaking um and he's like i was in texas for some sort of meeting or something like that like some organization with owners of with the businesses fat yeah with fat cats discussing something i think it was for mental health i don't know don't quote me if he's listening i don't know something you said like about being in texas for this big thing where businessmen meet and he met this dude there and he's just like this dude that he met was like oh man i'm so depressed i'm so like upset and angry at myself he's like and he asked like oh why and he's like i make nine million a year and everyone else here, that guy there, he, he makes 80 million. That guy here, there, he makes 100 million. That guy there, he makes 60 yeah. million. And, <laughs> and it's just like, I'm just so depressed. I'm so poor. And then when he told me this, I started laughing my ass off. I'm like, bro, if I had 500 grand to my name, not over a year, just over fucking 10 years, I'd be like, mm. oh, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. Hey, mom, I've made it. <laughs> yeah, you know? And then I'm just like, dude, I'm like, yeah. Like being at the head of like a business, like a corporate level business like that. And like, yeah, the self-centeredness like that's involved is like immediately precedes the negativity of like where you should be 
by looking at what you have and just saying like, nah, nah, I shouldn't be. I, I, I know where I'm meant to be and this isn't it. It has to be there. Mm-hmm. And so that's like the Madahachi, you know what I mean? It's like Madahachi mm-hmm. is completely mm-hmm. ignorant of like the path that he walked, his revelation later on in the arc where he's like, he's like, dude, you don't realize Matahachi. When you look outside of just the ego, the failures of Matahachi, that's so in your face because of Matahachi. Mm. But if you look mm. at his story objectively, not through his own cognition of, or his, his own self-cognition, you see this guy has traveled all over Japan, which at the time is unheard of, you know, on a pilgrimage to any extent. As and a small the, town villager as a small as well, town like, villager, yeah. you know, he's gone yeah. and seen so much, rubbed shoulders against so many people, has so many stories to tell, so many things that he's, he's seen would be unheard of at the time like that. He would have just been dead in a war in his village mm. you know but he didn't and just like look at the path that you've traveled which is he's great just as much of a vagabond as Masashi. yeah exactly like, the title vagabond exactly. can equally be applied to masashi exactly. Matahachi, and kojiro yeah exactly. like they're all vagabonds they're all vagabonds yeah. otsu 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 too yeah 100 percent. a vagababe otsu yeah exactly but um dude yeah i reckon yeah it's the and and the dealing with the Matahachi side is something that i feel I've struggled with for a while. I, I would say that Same. it's oh, something time, that too, yeah. I've resented. And it's not, you know, what's ironic? I often resent and dislike Marahachi in other people. And that undoubtedly, obviously, is a self projection of myself. I would say generally, like, I don't have, you know, this is probably, I don't know, people can disagree with this and I'm okay with that. I think I'm. Don't, I don't have that much Madahachi um, traits in me, but I think the fact that I resented so much in other people means that I'm scared of slipping into that archetype. Yeah. I feel similarly. Yeah. So even I, if I, I don't have it in me right now, mm. there is a fear that if I let go, I, I don't, you know, I'm not disciplined. And this is a word that I love, but it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, we're talking about Mahayana and, and the looseness, the freedom of that thinking. I am scared of slipping into the Marahachi state. And that's when, when I see it in other people, I recoil mm, because mm. I'm scared that I will become that and that I will stray from the path of Musashi, which does mean, and Giorgio talked about this previously, it does mean I am, I guess you could say, less empathetic in certain respects. I'm also less open to other weakness. And it means that like, if you build your CPU or your system through, you know, discipline and Musashi and, you know, striving, striving, and you almost use resentment or shame as a fuel of a fuel, mm. it will get you places. The car will run, but you also inbuild like impurities and fear and disgust yeah. into your Dude, CPU. I have. Yeah, mm. I, I just... It's like low-grade petrol. Yes, it is, definitely. Great great metaphor. To interject there, dude, I reckon like... I reckon, yeah. As soon as you start operating, in my opinion, if you start operating in the world of anti-ideals, you've now instantiated a place in your psyche Mm. where you've made a no-go zone. Like you're not allowed to ever be there. And that's like... that, That condition of not ever allowing to be there... You know, you just have to live your life hoping by chance of the impermanent nature of the world. You just don't end up landing there for whatever reason. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, the way the way I sort of confronted my own Matahachi sort of nature is just like coming back down to Anicca. 
<laughs> just like it, oh, yeah. if it comes. Wait, it, I don't understand this reference. Just impermanence. Just oh, like, just what's the word? Anicca. Anicca. Is Anicca. that is Pali? It, is that Pali? Yeah. yeah. All right. And it's like one of the three marks of existence in Buddhism. And it's like it's like okay, you find yourself within this territory. Know that this is just as valid, valid in terms of just a, a form of expression of a life, mm-hmm. not like valid as in regards to any means of doing something, but like this. It's just as subject to the laws of being in the good place as well. So that will pass too. And like the number one attitude that you have in that is equanimity. A really important sort of arc I had during Vipassana was, um, oh, am I Matahachi, am I being Matahachi, am I being Masashi, am I being... And then I realized like, dude, this is just a story in, in a manga. Why mm. am I living through this, mm. this cognition? And I'm like, this is the <laughs> yeah. same as any other story. You and that's what, I mean? what Madahachi does. He actually lives his life through the lens of Musashi. Yeah. Everything yeah. he does is compared to Musashi. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, well, dude, you can live your life in, through the lens of anyone or anything or any school practice and thought and still be a victim. Mm. You know yeah. What I mean? It doesn't yeah. matter how saintly the person you're living up to is. You could, you know, I mean, that happens all the time with people who, you know, how can we see... In certain cases where it's like, oh, people misappropriate these saintly religious figures. Judas is Matahachi. <laughs> Dude, mm. straight Christ up. Christ is straight up. Musashi, you know. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a very, you know, mm. interesting example. For yeah. sure, man. For sure. Um, can I just add one more thing uh, before we end it? Uh, unless anyone wants to... I'm good. Like, you... Nicholas touched upon this before that Vagabond comes from a adaptation of the Musashi myth. And in many ways it is a myth. Yeah. Uh, and that story was written, I think in the 1950s uh, by someone trying to unify and create a single understanding of Musashi. And he wrote it into a novel and Vagabond is an ad- is a visual adaptation of that. And, I was talking to a student about this recently because, you know, I'm, I'm the biggest preacher of Vagabond. <laughs> and and I just said... Get kids while they're young. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said that it honestly doesn't matter if Musashi in real life was what Musashi is, in, is like in Vagabond. Because in real life, like he does... I've read some stuff. He does some pretty, I guess quote-unquote shady and anti-Bushido stuff. For example, uh, you could say what Nick said, you know, aligning the sun to hit the other person's eye, you know, it's quote-unquote not a fair fight. Or I've heard something else that he does, uh, which I think is true. He comes late to like a battle, uh, which I think is what Denshichiro is based off. Like he actually came comes late in the manga, but in real life he came late in order to, you know, make Denshichiro like a very angry and then, Denshijiro would just attack out of spite and then it would kill him. So, mm. you know, who really knows the myth or who can really separate the myth and the reality from this character? He's just, he's, it's been too long. He's been, he's a national symbol of, of strength. Like there's too much mythos around this. But regardless of whether it's true or not, like I think he is a very powerful archetype. Mm. And it's, and I really don't care in real life if he actually beat Kojiro with a paddle or if he didn't mm. or if he if he attacked Kojiro first or Kojiro attacked him first. To me, I see him as such a powerful symbol of a man or a person with the wisdom to adapt, the wisdom to be humble and the wisdom to push the boundaries. 
And for that reason, I don't really care. Yeah. 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 Fully. Totally I mean, on board, yeah. totally on board, man. T- totally on board. See, I don't know. I, I guess the way I look at it is like the nature of stories, like full stop. It's just like Detroit happened. Detroit didn't happen. It doesn't matter. Like Troy, mm. the Iliad was beautiful. Yeah, it's, I still haven't absolutely. read it. <laughs> <laughs> but what is pretty damn good. You know? <laughs> um, but like long live Greece. But yeah, no, like the idea of like, Dude, these are stories that are like the fundamental like what what it, the most important part is like these stories make you feel something absolutely and like that's the mm. thing like i fucking i love the movie blade runner like mm. yo, i know that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean but like it, it doesn't matter it's how that makes you feel and how that gives you see the way i tend to look at it most of the time consciously or unconscious is like in what way is this story a medium in that allows me to access parts of myself Mm. you know that appreciate it in any kind of way make me feel emotions in any sort of way like stories are a medium to yourself at the yeah. end of the day you know what i mean or to the world or mm. in the bigger picture of the, the buddha mind you know to yourself you know and that's what i appreciate like the history make adds that other added element of course but like you know i love i love the manga vagabond you know i that's where i'm you know, yeah. Like I, like I said, I got Vagabond tattooed on me. I don't have Masashi tattooed on me. Mm. You know, like... Yeah. That's that's yeah. like a, a thing, yeah. Like the, like the uh, podcast that we did on Ziz. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like, mm. at this point, it like transcends whether or not... You know, like we were saying, oh, if Ziz was like a good person or a bad person or just a player, it doesn't matter almost. It's mm. just like what he is now is what's currently the reality. For sure, man. 100%. In our face 100%. and that's what's happening and like how that makes you feel. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. Obviously, it pays. It, it, it works out better if you know, like, the full scope of the situation. You know, you mm. shouldn't be walking around and you sh- shouldn't be studying history quoting vagabond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, but in the book, yeah, <laughs> but O2 was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it's just like it's a story. It's a fucking good story, and like mm. that's the that's the bottom line. And I love it. I love it. If I could be anyone, I'd be a vagabond. Sadhu. 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 Is this the point in the podcast where we start Mongolian throat singing? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I knew they were going to start doing it as soon as <laughs> It was like a trigger word. <laughs> I said I wouldn't let Stanley bait at me, and I got this far, but you know. It's like a water You got me, you slippery fella. All right. So, thank you for listening to our huge. I think this is the longest podcast we've done. It's two and a half hours almost. Hot damn. Yeah, dude. We have yeah, a lot to say. Uh, we, yeah. By the way, we, we've met up many a times before, you know, sorry, after we've all individually finished Vagabond, but we've always reserved ourselves from speaking about it until now. Yeah. Like, yeah. we always, oh, just, we always had like passing. Yeah, we yeah. always had like passing like appreciations, like oh, they made that. Yeah, that's cool. That's bad. But like, like yeah, O2's nuts. really hot. Yeah, <laughs> we just kept it on that level, you know. <laughs> but like, we we've all like said, no, nah, we gotta we gotta we gotta shut the fuck up and not talk about it until we're here until yeah. we can mm. you know turn it at least into a podcast. There were some times where we succeeded. Sometimes we yeah, exactly. We've had yeah. a few hour long.
long conversation, but <laughs> yeah. we never broke the three, the two and a half hour mark. I don't think I've now, had a, like much discussion. I, I've had it with you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Too. okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I We've been disciplined. I, yeah, yeah. But we, As in, I'm pointing Stanley, to Stanley when I say that. Yeah, Nick and I have been disciplined. But yeah, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this. Um, yes, sir. You know, like, I know oh, yeah. maybe most of the viewers, my 15 subscribers <laughs> 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 and all most like close friends that would probably watch maybe 15 minutes of these. <laughs> I know, like, you guys have just heard me talk about Vagabond. I don't expect anyone to really know yeah, what this is for the drift posters bro yeah <laughs> this is for Vagamond drift posting yeah, it's this for is, you man this is mostly for the drift posting crew. and like just like people who are just like looking up Vagabond like after they finished reading it because I found there was not enough like you know well, not enough there was some but like not enough like you know in-depth deep dive Vagabond like mm. stuff there it's was a lot less than Berserk a way mm. less than Berserk mm. there's more for Evangelion there's more for Kira you know there's but like not much I didn't see much for Vagabond yeah apart where are from, the like, British guys doing the video essays huh? let's, let's go <laughs> yeah, all those <laughs> poor form you know? yeah exactly poor form like to yeah but maybe this tickled that you know mm. yeah mm. you'll see this on Stanley's um, if you're listening to this from Stanley's podcast Safety last. Safety last, you know. You hear Gio's voice at the end, a beautiful voice. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're listening from a legitimate psychiatric emergency, you know, we out here. Yeah. Sadu. <laughs> Stay frosty. Stay frosty. Yeah. Thank you for tuning into Safety Last with Stanley Ching. If you enjoyed this, then please leave a rating or a comment. I hope you're leaving with a new idea and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other places that can be found in the description.